Awesome. How are you doing, Mr. Showbiz514? I'm good, my dude. And you? I'm doing wonderful. It's been it's been a good week. I've been off work, so I've had a chance to like get enough sleep. I did actually not uh today wasn't the most of the sunny, but it was still nice out. Um but yeah, I have gotten sun this week, which is just like yo. All I'm saying is I'm real excited to be able to go outside again at nighttime. That's what I'm real excited for oh, the most. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um but yo why don't you, before we get into it, Mr. Showbiz, let the people know where you are born, where you, where, where like the beginning parts of your life happen. I was born in Montreal. Funny enough, I was born by the Elmhurst block where the, the milk plant is, right there where Pamela is, right on yeah. the corner. That's up so, in NDG, everyone, Montreal. Yeah. Awesome. Then I moved to Ontario. No, we're going to go through the whole... Uh, we're going to go through the rest of it, but it's important for my first question. Sorry. DG all day, every day. So yeah, it's important just for the first question so that people know where it's at. Otherwise they're going to wonder where you live in at when, uh, when we uh, do the first question. So it with that, I forgot to say, welcome to bridge the gap. Just to show where uh, we take very interesting people such as yourself and we walk through your lives and we extract the knowledge nuggets and we just kind of get to know you a little bit better. Uh, my name is Holden Stefan Roy. And with that, I think it's time to get the ball on the road with this first question. It's a little bit of a story. I'm pretty sure you may have heard it before, but that's okay. It's for all the people who have not stills. It all starts with my girlfriend and she's washing the dishes and she's got her phone and she's playing that black eyed piece on the, I got a feeling. And she's like dancing around and she's doing her thing. And it got me just thinking about this song, right? Currently, this track is like exercise music. It's chores music. It's the stuff you're going to go move to. And it's kind of different than what the song used to be, say, like 10 years ago, when this song used to be more club music, when you used to be all there, like, you know, jumping around in circles and shit. And everyone was drunk. And it was just a whole different vibe. And then 10 years goes by and the song's now chores music. It's just, it's, it's so nifty to me that as time goes on, a song's purpose and everything can evolve and just become something different like that. Um, and that got me thinking about all the club hits today. Everything that's a club hit today. All the Cardi B's, all of it. And that's just going to be some music people's doing chores to. If it's not today, it is the future chores music as people grow up and turn it into chores music. Cardi B's gonna be hilarious. It's chore music though. But it is what it is. I mean, just up, then it's up, then it's up. And you know, I already feel the vibes for it. Um, but then <laughs> if you like think about then music and how it changes over time and how the vibes and the energies of stuff are so like impactful on the environment of music, it got me thinking so uh, a little bit more about our individual musical journeys and how like a lot of the times when we talk about ourselves as artists, it kind of starts really in adolescence or preteen years or like, yo, I found this and I got attached to music in this way. And that's true. That's all part of the story, but it's not really the start of the story. The start of the story is like way back when we super young, right? So back when you were little one in NDG and in that case, um, 
like I can think back to being like myself, four or five years old, up in close St. Luke land. And um, basically, my parents had these gray boxes, the amplifier, the radio, the tape deck, the things all attached to the speakers and whatnot. My dad would play like the Led Zeppelin tapes and stuff like that. And then the MC Mario 90s dance music at night. And my mom had like discos and musicals and all kinds of different stuffs that would be played as well in the home. And all of this kind of creates this like, this kind of soundscape that paved the way for like all of my future, you know, from all of it, from the tech to the tapes to the, all of it just kind of added towards who I would end up becoming. So I was hoping you could bring us back to being the youngest SB Showbiz 514 that you can remember and tell us a little bit about the soundscape of your experience growing up. Not so much your taste, but just what you heard, what your parents, the environment, the block, all of it. Well, I have an older sister, so I listen to a lot of that 90s, like, I don't know, like, those bands, she played a lot of, uh, see, I don't really know the names because it was music that I don't really listen to, right? <laughs> um, but she listened to, like, Green Day and some stuff like that, a lot of 90s music that teenagers would listen to that didn't necessarily listen to hip-hop because my family didn't listen to a lot of hip-hop. Uh, so after that, I just remember a lot of radio music, Q92, Mix96, just a bunch of random mishmash music that was on the radio. Like, that's all my mom really ever listened to. My dad more listened to hip hop, but I didn't really live with my dad that much. So mm. I didn't really listen to hip hop. It was more radio stuff. Um, I remember hearing those Saturday night oldies on Q92, all that old music. That, that party yeah, this music. Me back. This brings me back, though. So, like I said, I don't really know a lot of the names of the music because it's not music that I nah, listen to that I went If I can, like, add it to Q92, so my mom bumped Q92. That would be, like, the music that got played in the car when my dad wasn't around, right? And my mom was in control, and she wanted to go back to the 80s yeah. love songs and stuff like that. Like, that was the vibes of that, like, whole just loved it. And... So that's interesting, though. But what what I really take from that is that maybe it was music, like it wasn't such a huge priority in your home. Not at all. And to be honest, a lot of people in my family, some of them make music, but a lot of people still don't really listen to a lot of music. It's still a lot of radio music, a lot of stuff that, hey, did you check this out? Did you check that out? So music was never really a main focus to a lot of people in my family, uh, especially me. It didn't become a focus until... I got, I got to high school, I would say. Awesome. Um, we're going to get to high school. But what was a focus when you were young then? So what kind of stuff was a little, like, four or five-year-old showbiz up to? Um, I lived in a lot of, like, the system when I was younger. So it was a lot of moving around. So there was never really enough time to really grasp the concept of really anything that was going on. Just moving from house to house to house to house new environments, new people all the time. I remember playing baseball vividly, but that's really the only thing from like my childhood other than constant moving around that I really remember. Um, yeah, wasn't the same as a lot of kids that had the time to just enjoy life and be a kid, so. No, but it's, yeah. I mean, you never really know how people are gonna answer it, but this is your story and if this is your life, this is what happened. It does 
make sense why your music has a lot of the tone that it has. I listen to a lot of your bars. And there's this heaviness to them, this realness, this more seriousness to it. Now, I've talked to a lot of other people who are like, I was doing Michael Jackson musicals with the fam for the neighbors and shit. And I'm talking all, all, enough. A surprising number of people have said that from all kinds of backgrounds is where I'm going with that. So, like, it's super nifty to see how you still, like, then end up with music as this vehicle that you're using today, like, actively pushing, coming from an environment where you didn't even necessarily care that much about music because you were so on the go, moving around, not being able to settle. And that brings up the point of the power of, like, kids needing that kind of stable environment to be able to foster certain things to be able to like adjust and, and get into it almost yeah well i've always wrote bars like as long as i can remember i wrote music um i recorded it on my phone just for the hell of it um it was Shelly that one day hit me up and he was like yo you got to get into the studio um i heard your shit you got to get into the studio. And then he just kept calling me up, calling me up. Yo, you have time. You have time. You have time. And a lot of the time it was like, no, nah, I'm working. I'm busy. I'm tired. But I finally got into the studio one day and I recorded the song that I posted uh, about a year ago called Link Up. And I slowly got hooked. Last year with, uh, with COVID and everything, it really allowed me to focus on music and take it seriously in order to put out a lot of the music that you were streaming just before we came live. Right. So but a lot it's... of it uh, is credit to Shvelli. He kept on me day in, day still, out. Calling me up. So even with that part, part you got to the part where you still impressed Shvelli. You know, you still had to have gotten to that part where you were writing those bars and recording on your phone. And um... so, I saw Shvelli doing his thing. And one day I, I hit him up. I was like, yo, can I just send you one of these random recordings on my phone and see what you think? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a listen. And I think I, re- I sent him uh, the original recording that I had to the song that I recorded with him, Link Up. It was really a remix to a Beanie Man and Young Jeezy song that came out a couple years ago. So the beat was completely different. But he heard the bars and he was like, yo, come to the studio. We recorded it, I think, to a beat that he made. He just played it. He was like, I think it would sound good to this. I heard it. I was like, yo, let's get it. Walked into the booth. I don't remember how long it took, but it felt like 20 minutes. And he was able to put that sound together. And it actually sounded the way it was supposed to come out, the way I had it sounding in my head. So because of that, I was like, okay, maybe if I do music, I might have... I don't really care about, like, making it in a sense of like oh yeah music is going to carry me through life but i just want people to hear the music that i make and be able to enjoy it and relate to it and be like yo i can understand where he's coming from on this or something similar happened to me in my lifetime so my bars are a little bit different they're a little bit heavier a little bit deeper and sometimes they tend to go over a lot of people's heads i mean i get where you're coming from Cause it doesn't sound like you're, you're writing from anyone's perspective, but your own, like yeah. one bar of yours, just to show you, I was listening a little bit that paid attention to me. And it's actually just cause we talked about shit, like how there's more than one NDG and how like nifty it is to grow up in NDG and, and not be aware of how yeah. there's this whole other existence that can be here. And you wrote like, 
I'm from the city where the shootings never hit the headlines or something like that. And I was like, that's true. They really don't hit the headlines. News, if they do, then they probably hit a kid or two. That's like, it. And the truth of the matter is, I'm from the same city and can vouch that, yo, there is like a lack of maybe reporting. Like lately, yeah, they do this homicide count thing, right? But like. Well, they do a homicide count, but a lot of the stuff just goes under the radar. Like, I've literally, even recently, I was up on Queen Mary and no word of a lie, some guy was dead on the corner. And there was two cops waiting for, I think, the morgue or mortician for like an hour. I got home. Nothing about it on the news. Nothing. I've seen and I've heard about things that happened. Nothing on the news. Police raids, shootings, all these types of things never make the news. That's true. COVID right now, everything is making the news just because people are actually looking for it. And they want to know. And then they ask, hey, how come this didn't make the news? And then the next day you see, oh, it's reported. Whether it's on Instagram or whatever little thread people are looking at. Now it's being reported a little bit more. I definitely know that for a lot of things, I, I get my news from when my neighbors and peers film shit and put it online. Like there was recently an incident on Coast and Luke Road near the Domino's up by like closer to DeCarry. Now I know what the fuck happened. There was a whole bunch of cops and my neighbor person filmed it. I looked for news on that. I was curious. Didn't see anything. There was not a single headline. And I'm like, it's kind of weird that like, entire things like that can in fact happen here and it's like not mention any i don't know if it's mentioned in french media to be honest that's just to be fair I that's don't the know. thing a lot of things in the city do happen in french and it trickles into the music that a lot of a lot of english stuff is overlooked a lot mm. um Yes, I get it. French is really a part of the culture and a part of the root of Quebec. But it's part of the reason we're losing our most talented people in all aspects of everything to Toronto or other provinces or even other countries because we can't keep them satisfied here. There's not enough outlets to push an Anglophone MC or an actor or an actress or even to try to make it in high-end fields here if you're English, it's a lot harder than if you're Francophone or completely bilingual. Like I speak French, but not enough to run somebody's business. So it's- I hear you. It's I speak French enough to work for French people, but not enough <laughs> to run the French business. <clears throat> right? Exactly. Like, like there is like a, like almost like a bit of a, I'm not gonna call it like a real glass ceiling cause you can work around it. But it's got like a much narrower gap to like get through unless your like French accent is like, because here's what happens. Like they, they go like really fast with the Quebecois slang and shit. And then it's like, because it, that's what that's happens my thing. is they go fat. Yo, when they speak at like a moderate pace, I, I can follow I can, that. I can hold up. But when they speak just like amongst themselves, speaking a mile a minute, I don't understand anything. And the younger they are, the worse it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the slang. When the slang comes into play? Yeah, I don't know anything. It's like, um, I can't read young person typing on cell phones on French. I look at that shit and it's like, 
a bunch of random letters because they've stripped like fucking out half the letters and it, they all know what it means and I didn't grow up with it, yeah, so it doesn't mean a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yo, but I'm not going to lie. English people do it too. Like if you see that younger generation, some of their texts, they just speak in emojis. But you I know decide. that. I understand that. Like, yo, I, I swear I had this conversation with my, my dude Flacco and he actually broke down to me how to think with emojis. So I started practicing a little bit more with the emojis so I can be a little more hip. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to go through that one. <laughs> but, okay. Um, the game's not for me now. Well, I look at I look emojis at like they're stickers. And once I thought of them, like, like street marketing stickers. Like they're stickers. And I thought about it from that point of view and they got a little cooler. Okay. I'm, I'm all right with that. Like, it's almost like speaking in slang too, right? Like... For a while, eggplants yeah. were eggplants to parents. For a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like everybody speaking Pig Latin or their variation of Pig Latin back in the day. <sighs> Yeg is boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went to... I, I, everybody I used to speak like that. I swear. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, like, because I, I, I don't... You can't do the Pig Latin. Region? Like, I like I everything just had his head. They go... So the worst part was is when I was young, it was completely around me, but I didn't know what the fuck it was. Nobody's ever taught me the code of what they were doing. It just kind of like was yeah. around me, and you were able to just mimic a lot of shit and a lot of the slang. But yeah, I forgot about a lot of that. That was like the Wager days. That's straight Wager for me. So I was just <laughs> walked through 2000 to 2005, and it was a lot of that kind of like world. Yeah, and you either knew it or you didn't. Or you were there, and you were just yeah in it, and it was a weird yo. That was that was one of the wildest experiences of my life. I don't even think I'd be here today if it wasn't for Wagers. So shout out everybody in that environment. Um, but yo, I want to know more then about your high school world. So let's say you're a little bit, you're moving around, you're bouncing around, your English, which I I relate oh, to heavy, and then you get to which well, high school? I went to a couple of different high schools. Um. I was still moving around for a little bit, so I was in Brossard for a little bit at the time, and I started off high school at Centennial Regional High. <coughs> that, oh my goodness, that was a bullshit experience. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Because I had a lot going on outside of school, I was barely in class, barely went to school, so I had some interesting experiences. It was called a lot of different things by some teachers. Could have smacked the shit out of a couple of them, but yeah, no, it was it was fun. Wait, the ended up getting expelled from there, and then I ended up in Westmount High, where I had to repeat grade seven. Um, Westmount High was fun. Played ball, knew a lot of the people. It was chill, but eventually I got kicked out of that shit too, and ended up at Options, where I graduated. So, yeah, a lot of ups and downs. Well, fun times, definitely fun times. Was hip hop so? Does hip hop becomes more of a part of your world during high school? Um, it was actually a transition between me moving from Brossard back to NDG because in Brossard there wasn't a lot of people listening to hip hop either. They were listening to a lot of Lincoln Park, and I listened to a lot of Corn and a lot of punk music that I definitely would not have listened to had I not been around that environment. So <laughs> I didn't want to say it, right? Man, it's so cool. I love Linkin Park. <laughs> They're like one of my favorite things in music. 
So when I moved to the city, um, I moved into a foster home right here up on Gilward. And I was living with another dude. And he was like, yo, how do you not listen to hip hop music and you're a black guy? And I was like, what's that supposed to mean? And he put on no word of a lie, get rich or die trying. Blasted 50 cent for like seven days straight. That's all the fuck I heard. 50 cent, wankster, on repeat. Yo, it was uh, this white guy from Hashalaga Maisonneuve named Jonathan. He was a little bit older than me, but he was like a 50 cent dick rider. He loved that shit. But I started listening to more hip hop. Um, started using my radio with those... Uh, you know when they started coming out with the radios with the wire antennas that didn't really work that well, but you had to try to figure that shit out? Yes. So I did get myself some K103 so I could listen to the only Don Smooth. Um, DJ Buddha Blaze used to host some shit up on Friday nights. So that's where I really got my hip hop fix. Um, then I started going up and playing ball over at Loyola which is closer to your neck of the woods, right up there off uh, Upper Summerlin. Yeah. Um, and that's where they just bumped pure hip-hop. Like, I think that's why I listen to a lot of everything. Uh, I got on to The Locks, it? Cassidy. Um, they played a lot of... Uh, back then, they were doing a lot of uh, reggae crossovers with hip-hop so like elephant man was a big deal beanie yeah. man was a big deal. um there was just so much different sounds and different music that i got hooked and i started writing music not as like an outlet for all the pain or all the problems that i had been through in life because that would be your typical story but i just started writing because when i heard the music my head would bounce and i'd just start in my head creating verses and I'd be like, this would sound dope on this beat. And for the longest time, I would just write and write and write thinking, oh, you know those last 30 seconds when they would just let the beat ride out? I would just rap some quick shit over that and be like, okay, that sounds good. And then I kept writing and writing and writing. And then one day I was chilling in the hood here on Southside with a bunch of my dudes and somebody just put on a tape deck and. Literally, tape deck, old school recorder, the one you got to press play, put the little tape in, just started playing beats off that, started freestyling. Um, based on the style that I have, you listen to my shit. Back in 2004, 2005, nobody really fucked with that. They were listening to a lot more gangster hip hop, a lot more run up in your crib, shoot up everything. So my bars were always considered to be a little bit weak. Um, then that phase of hold turn on, up hip hop. That's so interesting that you'd say that. So you were like rapping like this that you are today now in like yeah. 2005. Yeah. I just didn't have the same delivery. So like the voice that you hear wasn't there. So the writing style was there. I could pull up shit from like 10 years ago that I was writing. And you'd be like, okay, I, I can hear the same shit, but the delivery wasn't there. The command in the voice wasn't there. The whole, <laughs> yeah, wasn't there. Right. Like, right. that's not, oh, I went to the studio and I figured that voice out and I need the studio to create that. Nah, that's me literally rapping into my phone with 
a beat playing on one side, my phone recording on the other side, rapping in until one day I woke up and that voice was there. Like, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but all through my 20s, all I did was practice and work. Uh, it was my girl that was like, yo, don't stop writing. If you don't make music, don't stop writing. So I kept writing and writing and writing. Um, the verse that you heard, uh, feel it in the air. The first part of that verse was written like six years ago. The second part was written last year when my girl was like, yo, you have to write a second verse, put that together and actually put that out. So I did. And in all honesty, it was a lot of people around me kept pushing me to put out music, put out music, just do it, see what happens. And I started doing it and it's, it's really developed quickly. If you go to, I have two YouTube pages. I have the topic page and then I have my YouTube page. So on my YouTube page, you can see stuff from like last March that I put out and you can hear a lot of the recordings on my page. That was before I really hit the studio. I was again, recording in like some shitty podcast, mic, trying to figure it out. Um, but I just, I got the urge to put out music and now that's what I'm doing. And I like the sound that I'm coming with. It's a different angle than what a lot of people are rapping about, but it's working. The sounds there, people are liking it, which is not necessarily the most important thing, but it's, so it confirms that people around me were, were right when they were like, Hey, just put out some music and, and go from there. Because now I go and I record music and I hear it and I'm like, Holy shit, that shit sounds dope as fuck over a beat. It's not just a raw recording on my phone anymore. Like, people can listen, people don't have to listen. I bump my own shit all day long because that's some real fucking shit. Like, nah, man. I was bumping raw recordings back in the day, just hearing my own shit. Like, yo, that sounds dope. Nobody will ever hear this, but it sounds dope. <laughs> yo, there's so many people that are like, that are that, like, just treasures. Because, yo, Showbiz, honestly, I listen to your bars and you talk about a whole world that is still my city that I don't live in. But I'm also not left with this cognitive dis dissonance. It's almost like you know that I don't know shit about it and that bothers you because I should know more about it. And that is something I feel in your bars. Well, an angle that I wanted to take with writing bars again, even before I started writing music was, if anybody saw this, I wanted it to be relatable to everybody, just not one particular audience. Mm. And that's an angle that I took that not a lot of people take. They just say, okay, I'm gonna make bars and I'm gonna write it for this type of audience. You either like hardcore bars with the worst part of the hood, or you want these creative bars that are more like hipster oriented, like conscious rap. You really got to sit down and you got to think about it. I wanted to give people the best of both worlds, but open to the point where anybody can hear it and relate to it. Like you don't even have to be from the hood. You don't have to know anything about it. When you hear the bars, you can somewhat understand and you can feel it. So that was an angle that I really, really, really wanted mm -hmm. to take something interesting you said in that and i feel what you're saying there's definitely a heavy sense of i believe you 
to the words that come out of your mouth when I hear it. And that authenticity is hot to me. I like, and, and also let's just give you props on the technique. Like you really, really are tight. Like when you say you've been practicing forever, it's like, yo, you've been really practicing this whole time and just put out nothing. Like that gets me thinking yo, like how many I wrote people... both for 14 years before putting out my first official song, like Spotify, all platforms, December 1st. So I've got material for days, for days and days and days and days. Like any of these notebooks that I just pull up here, bars, 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 random pieces of paper, just bars all over the house. Phones for days, just got verses and recordings on them of stuff that I'm probably never even gonna use because I'm writing every single day. Every single day I write something, whether it's four bars, eight bars, 10 bars, a quick one-liner that I think of that I don't want to forget, everything gets written down. Almost like those people that take down stats and they just don't want to forget everything and they learn and they study that. That's what I did with my bars. Every single chance I got, I wrote. I wrote about everything and anything just to write. Yo, that's super nifty. We wrote about anything and everything just to write on some writing exercises shit. You're not the first yeah. person to mention writing exercises and shit, but also y'all that do this shit are really like a game with it in terms of flow. Like yeah. your flow is what's really impressive. Everything is really in the pocket. Everything's really pristine. Everything's really tight. Like yeah, yeah there's buyers in storytelling and a lot of elements to songwriting that I do believe we can go down all the paths of branding that we want to talk about like that, but at the end of the day, your shit sounds songy, whereas not everyone's shit sounds songy. Is a is a like really basic way it's, to put it. It's hard to do as a rapper. It's really, really, really fucking hard. Um, a lot of that does go into beat choice, and working really, really, really hard to become an artist and not just a rapper. When I first got into the booth with Shvelly in 2018, when I recorded Link Up, and that took two years to put out. But when I recorded Link Up, I kept telling Shvelly, I'm a rapper, I'm a rapper, I'm a rapper. Um, last year, just before COVID hit, I did my first show with Shvelly. We did it over at Blue Dog. It was nothing too, too big or too fancy. But I did that, and I listened to a lot of rappers, singers, and stuff like that, and I thought to myself, my stuff as it is, as constructed, will not go over to the general audience. It will literally stick to just the people that listen to the music or that I show the music to because it was so very, very barry. Um, I have a couple of songs like Straight Bars and Jabari where you can hear that. It's just constant bar delivery, uh, bar after bar after bar, heavy hitter, one-liners, um, huge punchlines and I had to take that back a little bit. I had to develop how to be an artist, how to make a hook, how to deliver some of those punchlines, but without using a 16 and delivering 16 punchlines where, okay, I can use three punchlines in a 16 verse and then still deliver it in a way where people are going to understand and it's not so hardcore. It's a little bit more toned down. It's got that hood element and that 
he's been in the streets, he's been through a lot, but it's still light enough that the general audience, which is, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of people that make music, not everybody care about the general audience. Some of them overlook it, but the general audience is where people are going to hear your music and Shit. be like, okay. I like that. I'm going to use that fucking term. So I've been calling them the regulars and it's been the worst word ever because nobody knows what the fuck <laughs> I mean. But the general audience is what I've been meaning to say. Yo, like, it's actually so like, I have, I have to can, I, can I just give you some real flowers again here for a second? Some stuff impresses me in life. When a guy tells me he performs one time and makes the kind of conscious pivots to his career that most of us don't even learn until years deep, all kinds of things. It's like, it's impressive to me that you're willing to adapt that quickly. Whereas like a lot of us, man, we'll just do our shit. Yo, I remember looking at my engineer and being like, yo, shut up, Moose Harris. But yo, I remember like, checking my engineer one time back in the day and being like bro i refuse to do anything if i can't one take it and he looked at me like <laughs> that, are you sure i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie that was me and, and i walked into the booth and i was like i'm just gonna keep going through this i'm gonna power move it right through yeah, but just put the beat on and let me go my engineer's like i'm gonna keep down. everything my guy i'm gonna keep everything my guy and you know what we would end up doing surgery after and he would end up taking pieces from the best takes and when I think about it, like, practically, it's like, I guess we should have just not tried so hard to one-take everything. <laughs> you know, like... It's it's probably something that a lot of artists get into the booth and do because that's all I ever did. Like, I've only really, really, really been making music a year and a half. So a couple of months before I did the first show, I was able to make a couple of songs to be able to perform that show. But after that, I really started to get into the booth and I kept going, oh, I'm just going to go right through it, right through it, rip through this whole beat. And I keep giving credit to Shvelli, but Shvelli was like, okay, you want to deliver the bars? No problem. Slow down. Make sure that people understand and hear the delivery. And at first... I'm not going to lie. I said, fuck that. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that shit. I feel you. I was going to do it with me and see where it gets me. But after I did the song, uh, I keep going back to it. Feel it in the air, which was late August last year. I was a little bit disappointed with the sound because I just ripped through it. I didn't take the time to slow down the delivery and make sure people understood it it's still quick and I just run through it. A couple of months later, I got a beat, which is a uh, fall slowly, the Joyner Lucas beat. My girl heard that beat, she gave it to me. She was like, do something with this. So I don't know if you had a chance to, to listen to that song, it's called Letter to Myself. Um, I have a video for that too, it's on the elevated wall. Um, I got that beat. I wrote something really, really quickly, but a lot deeper than I normally would. I kept bugging Shvelli. I was like, yo, we got to record this. We got to record this. So I went to his crib. We recorded it in his bedroom. Every time I went to go spit into the mic, he was like, slow down. And I was like, what does he mean? What does he mean? And then he was like, no, you need to slow down. You're delivering it way too fast. 
Like it's good, it fits, but it doesn't have the feeling that it's supposed to if it really gets slowed down. And he didn't mean slow the flow down. He just meant think about it more, connect the words more to the beat. Yo, actually what you just said is really big. Slow down is not the most helpful language that a person can say in that moment. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to like Shvelli or any of the other producers because I have heard the words slow down so many times in my life and it didn't. So I slowed down my rapping. I swear, I swear to fucking God, I learned to rap slower and calmer on a literal front. And then and by accident, unrelated to speed, I learned about the pocket. And that's what they were trying to tell me about was the pocket and how to fit into it. <clears throat> exactly. Um, it's very hard to explain when you don't understand it. So you just keep hearing, slow down, slow down, slow down. After hearing it about 150 times that night, I slowed down. We got the take that we ended up uh, going with. And after hearing it back, the flow wasn't slowed down, but it just fit so nicely that I had to go back and rethink everything. There were songs that I made that I had ready to go that I was like, I can't put that out because now that I know what he means, everything is going to come out so much better. Um, on my all-platform music, the last one that I have like that is, there's two of them, Still With It and Bounce. I still didn't understand the delivery and the placement. But everything since then, like I have music right now that I'm sitting on that I previewed on IG. It's... It's more bouncy and like you said, sing song. Yeah, I, I've, I've really found a pocket and a niche now. I get a lot of my beats custom made from my producer out in Russia. So everything really fits my flow nice. Um, I dropped a song not too long ago called Down. That was a throwaway. It was not to that beat. Um, I didn't like the recording. I sent it to my dude. He built the beat around it and was like, go with that. So like, I'm really developing as an artist and people can listen if they want. I don't care. Like I, I keep saying that, but I know I'm putting out real fucking music. Like, you know what? Real music that people can feel. I talk to a lot of people. This is one of those interviews a lot more people that I know should watch than others just on some real shit. Cause we talk to like pros. We talk to guys more like a Shvelli will give you some like bro slow down and i'm like cool i hear you shvelli i hear you my guy so you slow down you don't know what it means you have to like hear it 150 times break it down use the rosetta stone yeah. matrixes and shit and again it's no disrespect to it it's just that music producer types who understand things understand them and you really touched on it once you understood it you kind of like re re, re saw it all and what and you were like Okay, now I can't even release this shit. I personally went through an experience like this where I, I recorded shit and then realized I could do it better because of X, Y, Z. And then had to like redo yeah. it all. I hear you were involved in that. So my bad for making you do some shit <laughs> and then going, um, whoops. Sounded... I'm not going to lie. Just bringing it up, your song was the first song that I really worked on mix-wise. Um, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's still bouncy. Nah. It still makes me when want to tap my hand. When you hear so, the next one, 
It's over. That one was bad. Okay. The guy, I got told this criticism too, and it, it was very accurate. He sounded high, like your mouth was dry, and you were tired. I'm like, bro, that is way too specific and sounds like me way too often of the time for me to, and then I know I recorded this live on Twitch. So the distance you see with my face to the mic right now is more or less how yeah. I'm recording it. This is not the right distance for rapping. It's the right distance for I'm podcasting. Gonna, I'm not lie. It was something that I brought up. I was like, I don't know if he was on point with his mic, but then I see the mic that you have. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. It's this, <laughs> it's cause I'm over here. And I had to learn that lesson that if I'm going to do some shit on Twitch and I'm rapping distance, then I got to bring it back like this to talk or whatever. And I got to get more fucking learning how to place the mic with it. Cause you know what? I redid it standing up where I knew the whole fucking distance shit. I had like the good yeah. fucking, cause you're supposed to have at least six to 12 inches between you and the mic. Right? Like at least. Like a lot of that I had to learn too, because <clears throat> I only knew how to rap into my phone. Like the fact that I got a clean recording out of link up, not knowing anything, just literally coming off the street into a booth, recording a song. I surprised the shit out of myself. And I was like, okay, it's, there's something here, not necessarily, not necessarily something here like, oh, I'm the next guy to make it out. I'm going to put Montreal on the map. But, like, there's something here worth pursuing. Like, I didn't spend all this time writing music and recording on my phone not to at least record shit for myself. And that's what a lot of it started at. Like, Link Up sat on my phone for two years, and I was the only person that would listen to it. Um, I think Shvelli listened to it because he had a copy of it, but I wasn't concerned about putting out music. Um, even now, like I put out music because, okay, yeah, I'm on that all platforms grind and I want people to hear my music, but like, sometimes I forget about that shit. I have to go to my Spotify and see my name there to be like, oh yeah, I am putting out music just to believe that like, okay, I took that step because it's, bro, you're like the humblest I dude. For me. I just wanted to sound good. I wanted to, to, to hit right i want people to feel the bars understand them and whether they know me or not they can hear the song and be like yo i fuck with this but a lot of it especially a lot of the stuff that i have out you have to be in a certain mindset so it it all depends on the person listening with what i have put out right now because a lot of it is much heavier than a lot of the newer stuff i have coming out for for the summertime yeah it's gonna be fun i mean i'm just looking at it like a you put out a lot of music for a guy that has not been in this that long relatively speaking not to say you haven't clocked the experience points which you evidently Again, have shvelly had to tell me slow down yeah shvelly's i was trying to put out a song every two weeks since december what? and yo you should do that i might even playing shvelly i could talk to you after about that fuck for real do that <laughs> I'm not even playing. Oh my gosh, dude, you don't understand. Like, I had that epiphany. I'm like, I have that much material right now. Like my computer's right here. I have so much material just ready to go, ready to go. It's just, I I want to take the time now to to market the music. Like, it's gonna be hard, but music is also a business, yeah. and I've. 
I've got to learn the business a lot faster than, okay, I'm putting out music, I'm putting out songs, I'm putting it out as fast okay, as I, really, I can. I really, really respect that. I like the, okay. So I said, there's, I said, because I have a strategy in mind with that. Like, I have a whole, like, idea of why this is a blessed idea to do it, like, where I've thought a lot about it. But if you're saying that to me and you're just trying to make sure you do things the right way and approach the business the way you want to approach it correctly, that makes a lot of sense, too. And, uh, yo, but yo, something else you touched on earlier that I really wanted to make sure we didn't forget to, like, really talk about more is this general audience thing and complexity okay. and shit. So like you heard the track, that's that's my next single type thing. That shit, general audience. That's all I was thinking about, honestly. I was like, let okay. me try and write some pop. And that's what I was going for. Some some shit that people in the summertime in Montreal might need might want to hear. The bars on the verse on that particular song would have to be delivered a little bit more clearly. Absolutely. Because done. I already sent the it content. to Shrelly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I work nights. Like, that's why we had to reschedule this a month later. Like, I've been out of the loop for a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. No worries about that. I mean, to be fair, I sent it to Shrelly last night. So it's not like Shrelly's been sitting okay. on it forever, ever. I was just excited because I'm like, bro, I did that. <laughs> and the hook, the vibe. Adlibs were added too. Everything is general audience. But you really, really, really have to be on your shit to understand your bars. Yeah, because of the the fucking because right. I recorded. Yo, my original intentions for that was, I'm really bored with working on music and waiting for people to make it sound good. Fair enough. I mean, that's what happened. I get it. You just put out that freestyle mixtape. That that's that's what happened when I got bored again. <laughs> but like, I needed an outlet that was supposed to be like that. Because I mean. I have all this album shit, all these beats, all these things, and I know that to do it right, and I have songs that I'm working on that, like, I got to make sure there's going to be feature heavy, and that's something else that happened to me. I started working with people. Like, I got producers from everywhere sending me beats, just beats, 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 beats. But you know what, though? I'm not going to lie to you. I ain't fucking with those five beat packs. Nah, I mean, you know. Like, I don't know how many producers are going to hear this or see this. I will pay for beats. I do not give a fuck. If the beat is dope and I'm fucking with it, I'll pay for it. Don't send me these five beat packs, 5,000 streams, limit. Oh, you can put it on all platforms, but now you got to send me back more money. Fuck those free beat packs. I'm not on that grind. Um, yeah, it's customs right now. Or, Why? like... I feel like I can hit 5,000 streams in my sleep. And that's not Ooh. to be cocky or anything, but 5,000 streams is nothing as an artist. If you if you want to put your shit on all platforms, you should dream higher than 5,000 streams. Like, don't get stuck in that, oh my God, I got to double back and go check my contracts and my leases and I got to make sure everything's good. That's a waste of time, a waste of money. Find yourself a producer, pay him the $200 to make sure your shit's legit, $300, $400, Get your shit up if you like the beat. I can't stress that enough. The producer side of it is very, very fucking important. Like, they get slept on. Some people grab their beats, they don't pay for it, and I, I get it. A lot of people are on that YouTube grind. They don't care about the copyright issues. They don't care about their shit, but that's part of the business part of, side of it. Like, 
Yo, man, I can't. It's this was the most. You just gotta be more exciting. I love this. That's fuck, man. I swear. One of those tracks on that mixtape is called "Cop Montreal Beats." Um, anyway, like, Yo, but I'm not gonna lie, the one producer, Bagalan Beats from Montreal. That's a dude I'm about to cop a beat up. No offense to any of these other producers, but yeah, he was the first Montreal producer that somebody on Facebook told me to hit up for a beat. I did. He was nothing but blessed, hit me back. So when I do a Montreal-based project, I'm going to definitely hit him up for a beat. Yo, I'll actually tell you, different though. I could tell you that I've met a lot of Montreal producers in the last while. And some of the, I'm talking stylistically mad different. But like, yo, there's, yeah, this, yeah. there's this situation going on where it'd be rappers looking for beats and producers looking for rappers. And there's just no conversation happening in the middle of these two groups of people. I'm talking about in Montreal. I mean, there are probably as many beat makers as there are rappers at this point. So how is it like nobody were like, you know, like it's weird for me. I'm not to say nobody. There are lots of groups and lots of collectives. But there, I find, to be a lot more people, like, in the rapper community, at least, willing to go grab beats from pretty much anywhere that's not from here. It's 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 funny you say that, because <laughs> I would fuck with a lot of local producers, artists, but it's something I noticed, because I don't just make my own music and push my own music. I have this separate grind where I push a lot of English music on the side. So I've talked to a lot of artists, I've talked to a lot of labels, and a lot of them have no idea that I make music. That's the secret of uh, what I call Montreal Hidden Hits. It's an IG page that I came up with one day just to push a lot of local music and a lot of uh, the English music scene in Montreal. Most of them don't have any idea that I make music, so they're more open to have conversations. Um, Hit the same people hold, hold up to my up, main. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No conversation. But I, I, I gotta get ask it. you a question on that. All you gotta do is, is, is hit your other Insta and it says maker of or owner of this other page. I switched that not too long ago because I had to connect the two now because it's gonna be very, very important as I push it through the summer. Oh, as that's why Shfeli was all like, my friend's doing this and refused to say your fucking name. And I'm like, just fucking tell me yeah. who it is. I wanna go holler at the dude because and be like, what's good? I had to build the platform without people knowing who I was because before I built the wall, about a week before it, I launched it, I reached out to a lot of the same people through my main account and they saw that I was an artist. So they were less likely to respond just based off that. They probably thought that I was either trying to hit them up on some free promo shit, on some, yo, let me get a feature in quick, but it had nothing to do with that. So I made the hidden hits wall, started hitting up the same people like, yo, I'm gonna promo your shit, no problem, and just promote it for free. So then they started fucking with me. Um, I followed you. And you can see just the intro I gave to you off of Hidden Hits when I launched it. Like, that's how I was reaching out to people to get their attention because I noticed all these artists want, like anywhere else, is attention. <laughs> it's that was fucking funny to me. I'm sorry. That was funny. It <laughs> is what it is. Somebody to, to to show them love, shout them out, and. 
it was the easiest way in. There was no profile picture. Mm. There was no attachment to like elevated visuals at the time when I was working with them or any of my main profile walls. And I went out of my way not to put Shvelli or any of the other people that I was making music with up on that wall for a significant amount of time so nobody could make the connection. But it worked. It's it's not the biggest platform yet. It's a slow grind like everything else. But it's allowed me to see a lot of what I never would have figured out just through my main account and just reaching out as an artist. All right. Now I'm, you got me real curious about what kind of insights you can share. But before we do that, can I just say Montreal Hidden Hits is really cool? Um, I, I had caught you. I don't even know if it's because you followed me, but at that time I was looking for other media platforms. So I was like, I was like, yo, I had just started the interviews not long. It was around, well, not like just started, but I call it since November. No, no, but like, I've been doing interviews since 2019. So for me, it's like over the course of 2020, I've been keeping my eye out for like English, anything. So as soon as I, I notice stuff, like I'm always like sniffing up media. My like recent push started in November. That's when it started working. Yeah. Okay. It was, so it wasn't new. Like Willie Scandals it, and it, them. Oh, right. It takes time. So Everything. Actually, the hardest part was just getting anybody to, to come to my place. Believe it or not. Nobody wanted to come over. Nobody wanted to like fucking literally. Because, you know, I wasn't online. I tried it on Instagram and it was weird and I didn't like it because Instagram on my phone, it, it's not really my shtees. Like this is sort of like being across from you at a table, which is what I was doing. So for me, it's close yeah. enough for me to do what I got to do. But like Instagram's fucking weird. It has a phone and everything. Um, I don't like social media, but it's a part of the game and I had to learn it in order to, I yeah. have to use it for, for pushing anything. So. But like when I saw what you were doing, don't have social media. I understand it too, but if you're trying to push your music, you definitely have to have social media, and artists have to. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was only about that IG push. Let me just try to push it here for promo and everything. My boy sent me a post one day saying that Facebook is still the number one way to push your music as an artist. They're not lying. I built up my artist page up to over 500 in like a week. I push a lot of my music through there. I managed to get monetized in less than six months. I can host live events on Facebook and get paid for that shit. You artists just got to get up on your shit. It takes time. You got to grind it out. And yeah, a lot of it is like, right, oh, should I really ask you a real question? Like how does a person grind it out on Facebook? I mean, in, in your opinion, how do you grind it out like, on Facebook in order to get your page to a point? Yo, you got to add everybody and you got to use it for what it is if you want to use it for business. It's a social networking platform. You can't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, when I was pushing my song Letter to Myself, I would literally hit people up and be like, hi, I'm a new artist trying to push my music and connecting with new with a new audience. A lot of people were hesitant, but a lot of people were like, okay. What do you got? And then I sent them my song letter to myself and they were like, holy shit, I was expecting you to be a rapper because they weren't expecting me to be able to reach that level in a song just based off appearance or some of the clips that I had posted on IG or Facebook. Um, 
Facebook has this thing where they limit you to like 5,000 friends if you don't have a wall. So I really, really, really started adding a bunch of people, hitting them up, um, and then adding them to my artist wall. And that shit built fast. And like I said, now I'm monetized less than six months, can host live events, do my own shit through there. And it's not too bad. I haven't used it yet, but I can. That part of it, I got to get my knowledge up on. Yeah, but just whatever so, you do, don't violate copyright or the fuck you up. So my that's behind, why I haven't hosted any live shit yet. So behind that, I gotta suit, get cannot be monetized. I don't have the numbers for it, but I also have a big red thing that says your channel cannot be monetized. And I said, oh, thanks. Well, fuck that. Am I even gonna ever try <laughs> to build this page up that way? And um, currently Facebook is raining down a degree of uh, copyright and this accounts for Instagram. Like people hear me say Facebook and don't hear the word Instagram too. You wanna hear the funniest thing about that? Um, I went on live on Facebook and I was playing a bunch of my shit through Spotify, no issues. And then I went and played one of my music videos, my music video, I'm in the motherfucking music video. And they cut off my live. Because here's the thing. You know, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. So here's the thing. It's protecting you because it has no fucking way of identifying you. So it doesn't know that you. I know. I had it happen. And it happened to me in 2019. So I put out my album and I said, we went and did this live stream on YouTube. And I said, fuck it. Why am I not going to open my phone and do Instagram? So I'm playing my, my new album. I figure it's my Instagram account, everything everything good. Within 11 minutes, it clipped my Instagram on copyright. And I said, wait, what? That's me. And then I realized you know I used DistroKid. And it's I, part of, it's not even DistroKid. You probably have the least beat. No. You probably don't. No, no. No? I'm not, not, not one, not a one. Because. No, it's my, my guy. As in my like, guy who, who like in Montreal who like is in bands and shit like has the fucking keyboards and literally goes. Doo. You played it off. You played it off your topic page distributed by DistroKid. So now what's happening is and it's it wasn't tagged connected to my Insta. because like I can play my stuff off of YouTube through my YouTube page no problem because my YouTube page is yeah. connected to my DistroKid. However, my my Insta isn't connected to shit i think or this is also in 2019 right so yeah because not not everything's connected to district yeah, because like. it's smart enough to do this because i know i can play my own music on facebook and it doesn't give me shit but yeah. back in 2019 it didn't it uh either way so i'm playing this shit it cuts me off because of copyright violation of my own music and i realized yo this is gonna get weird so now what happens is is like i can only play my own music on my own live which is kind of okay sort of i can live with that yeah. but it's not the vision that's what twitch comes in twitch lets you play whatever the fuck you want for now and it's wonderful it's part of the reason why i went to all exclusive beats because i can pull up something right now off of my laptop and play that and not have any issues with some motherfucker on youtube having a copyright claim mm. i lied i have one like, lease in my catalog i did lease something in my catalog and technically those beats i took i'm not gonna lie i have a couple but one my first then somebody identified it i have it but now i'm really pushing that exclusive shit because again i learned fast i don't want to be on that youtube grind where 
500 people have the same beat and they've made a different song and the so only you know, reason you know what it was for me i remember okay so in 2012 it was during that era of everybody was rapping on industry beats and i'm like yeah yo that's well, you still could i mean i thought back then keep in mind 2012 that that was super corny when all you could do is go um, buy a beat right because here's the thing is guys were not ever copying beats at this time it was honestly just industry and youtube beats and shit. and i thought it was weird because i was able to just find these great deals on beats forever since time <clears throat> but it's not about when it comes to the beats and it, it's it's part of the rap game not the hip-hop push because you got to separate the two okay. there's hip-hop and then there's still rap rap has an essence rap has a culture that a lot of people that listen to hip hop music don't understand and never will. The rapping on industry beats is the part of the grind. You have to be able to show that if you hop on this motherfucker's beat, you do it better. Mm. And that's part of it. That's, okay. Like the, remixes, the remixes are a thing of the past where an artist would drop a beat and then six different rappers that you knew would hop on a remix and be like, okay, I'm gonna try to body this harder than him. It's a part of the game. I have some freestyles over beats and it's the reason why I used Feel It In The Air because that's a heavy hitter. I don't care if you listen to the Beanie Siegel version or uh, the D-Block version, that's a heavy hitting song. So my version of it had to hit just as hard or harder. I don't think I went harder than either one of those. But I think I was able to hold Yo, my own. That is a really good explanation. Because I would argue right. everyone can understand. It's just a lot of people don't right. realize it's, it. It's a part of it. You used to, to go to places, they would drop those beats and like you would just freestyle to them. And that's how at least a lot of people I know that rapped started rapping. Yo, like, also, we got, a, we, we, got a, we got a comment that added to, to PM, that instrumental. I think every single rapper that has ever rapped has rapped to that beat at some point in their life. Which one? That, AM to PM. <laughs> the Cassidy. Ah, oh, yo, I'm that's an iconic that. beat. I would bring it up, but I don't want to have no issues. Nah, we're fine. Um, but yo, check it. Uh, Zalmanel, uh, guy in the comments just said, also during the 2000 industry beats sounded so much better than homemade beats. I only came in in 2012. Yeah. Homemade beats were sounding kind of nice in 2012. So you're right, and I'm more reflective of this new wave of people who know, who had this. In 2004, 2005, 6, 7, you had to know a producer. The, the YouTube beat grind, the connecting through social media wasn't a thing. So I'm not going to lie, if I was putting out music in high school with all of these social media platforms, I'd be that 15-year-old kid that could easily get 30,000 streams. And it's not because, oh, my music is better. It's because... They have the access to social media. They're still in school. They they just see so many people on a regular basis that it's still not going to make or break whether they make it in the music industry. But it's easier in this day and age to get your shit out there. Independent artist, who fuck, you have a chance now. Back in two thousand five, two thousand six, man, nah, there is. You either were signed to get your music out there on a high scale platform or you did that local bar grind and in Montreal, I'm sorry, there was no scene for rappers to make it out like that. Even now, it's still fucking hard. Name one 
big time Montreal rap. I know a lot of Montreal rappers, but Ooh. it's so hard for us to get the recognition of so a lot of others. I'm going to touch on that, but Zamina also brought up another great comment. The industry beat thing was cool because you got to hear your favorite local rapper on a super good beat, and it was really satisfying in his opinion. And look, I actually if you put it together right. And I appreciate what y'all are saying, right? Because I never thought about rap culture. I, I spent a lot of time focused on hip hop culture. I guess and by like the general audience thing. It's not saying that you're part of the general audience, but a lot of the as I call it, the general audience knows hip hop. Mm, like but a lot of I know a lot of rappers. So everything you described, it was like a light bob just went oh now i gotta go body some beats <laughs> yeah like it's it, it, it's a part of it okay i still do it now i just did a fucking the lemon pepper freestyle i like that i did that shit just for the hell of it i enjoyed it i also liked your 80 bars respect i did that one too just for the hell of it because mm. with music a lot of this shit you just gotta do you will get zero views and zero streams for the first probably 10 years, maybe even longer, of the music grind before anybody pays attention. It's not about that. Uh, Bob, it's just spit about facts. It and being spit consistent. It. It's the most consistent people that end up making it. Your favorite rapper had about 200 songs out before you heard his first one. Whether you heard it or not, whether he deleted it off his page, the mixtapes that were circling around locally, they had put in a body of work before you heard their first song. It's just facts. Yo, it is. I swear, dude, half the shit you're saying, I accidentally freestyled on that meticulous fucking, fucking tape I just made. I swear, true? if you go like listen, you're going to be like, no shit, he's not lying. I'm not even trying to get you to listen. listen to a bit of it. I got into eight minutes of it. Yo, I mean, I get it. I, I honestly you, whipped that out of my Do you know why I didn't listen to more of it? You talk a lot of shit on that album. On that on that mixtape, go get your motherfucking beat now. Like, <laughs> I was, I was, it was, honest, fun, it was funny in that sense. I was honestly, dude. I loaded up a Twitch one day at eight forty-five in the morning or nine, whatever, and I said, "I'm gonna just freestyle a bunch of shit," because I have all this like fucking shit I'm writing. Everything I write yeah. is like fucking writing, and I'm trying to learn how to freestyle better. And I said. Like, and so I just freestyled. I didn't think about it. I just went off the dome. I put very little thought into it. And I wanted it to be unlike everything else I've ever put out. Okay. And if you go listen to the rest of my shit, it's really like... Even your comment yeah, was more about you energy. Me a year ago, I wouldn't have listened to it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you can ask Feli and anybody that knows me when they're like, So what music do you listen to now? I tell them all the same shit. I don't listen to music. Wow. Really? And the reason I don't listen to music, like, I know at the beginning of the interview I said when I was younger I didn't really listen to music either, but I still don't listen to music now because I make music. I don't care if you hear a bar or a verse on my shit that you've heard before. I don't listen to music enough to be able to be like, I heard it on this track or I heard it on that track. And I don't listen to a lot of music so I can keep that authenticity. All my shit is real. I come up with it. I think of it myself, like on a track that I have that I'm about to release in June. I have a line that I go, um, I ain't hit the block in a minute. Still call my shooters Bret Hart, though. 
And if you don't understand that, it goes right over your head. The reason why I call the shooters Bret Hart is because right. Bret, the Hitman right. Hart, his nickname is Hitman. And the sharpshooter. It's fucking move. Yeah. So, like, I don't listen to music so I can keep that authenticity. Everything I write is real. It's all me. I come up with my own shit. I create my own shit. My punchlines, my lines are all me. It's creative as fuck, though. I surprise myself sometimes. I really fuck with your sound, honestly. Um, I really also like your energy. That's I feel fun. like you have said nothing I disagree with. And I have uh, to put in a lot of work to learn this shit. <clears throat> like, but it's just so interesting. Up, also, more than watching YouTube videos, finding out how to record shit, finding out how to make music, how to align it properly, while also watching videos about how to figure out the music industry. I'm not going to lie to you. I was up one day at like five o'clock in the morning. I'm an early riser. A lot of the time I made uh, the song still with it. But as I was looking for the beat, a YouTube ad popped up and it said, you don't want to be that rapper that finally goes from your home studio to a real studio that doesn't know the knowledge or the lingo because the producer will literally not tell you anything or the sound engineer if you don't know what you're talking about. And I've seen it happen. I've been in studios with people where they go into the booth, they just record and the sound engineer will not tell them a fucking thing because they don't know. So they're not gonna be like, oh, I, maybe I want a little bit more reverb here or a little bit, a little bit less delay or I want this type of a, a telephone effect or a walkie talkie effect or I want a beat drop or the beat to rise here. If you don't know any of that shit, Good luck to you. You have to learn your craft. It's not just about, oh, I'm wrapping into a mic. There's a lot of work and a lot of schooling that has to go into it, whether you go learn it from a professional or you do it the old-fashioned way and grind it out yourself and figure it out. It's a lot of repetition, a lot of failure, um, a lot of, oh, shit, I put out a track, nobody listened. I'm going to be all in my feelings for a couple of hours, but fuck that. Get back and write another track. Like, do it over oh again because guy. this shit never stops. This is a very refreshing interview with a rapper. Right. And I don't mean no disrespect to the other rappers. It never stops. But, like, Showbiz is really spitting that, like, I don't know, man. I try to adhere to the principles you're spitting. You know, like, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like people be bumping everything I put out. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, it's just, you know, look at the numbers on the interviews, you know, it's not exactly like shit be popping, but it's like, to me, life's a journey. And I know that it's not, it, it's not about my first song that I put out still with it on all platforms to this day has 59 streams. But if you look at my Spotify wall, <coughs> I've hit a thousand a couple of times. A lot of my shit's over a thousand, zero payments. It's all about being on that grind sending your link to everybody you fucking know like those annoying people that you just wake up and you you see their song in your dms i hate it too but it's a part of the grind mm. you send it to 100 people 95 of them are not going to open it 90 90 of them are not going to click on it maybe one or two will but it's all a part of it Yo, it's man, all a part of it you're if a you salesman you're a salesman that's what i'm hearing you say you speak that sales lingo I'd argue there's a whole other not sales grind that you can take, but it's like one of it's two COVID. main grinds. It's COVID. No, I mean, 
my whole career, so I'm not a salesperson. So I'm never going to be able to do that. I had to come up with alternative ways to get around that. And you know what? I'm not either. I'm a very antisocial person. I used to be the quietest person in the room. I never would have done this interview if I was putting out like music when I was 20, which is part of the reason I didn't put out music when I was 20. Because I didn't know how to have a regular conversation. Mm. I was too deep in the hood that it was like, yo, what are you saying? Nothing, chilling, bless. Let's bump some tunes, smoke some weed, and just chill. I had to get a job. I had to work as a, at a summer camp with a bunch of little kids to really get myself away from that hood talk, that lingo. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing, but we all go to school. We all do our shit. We all know how to speak it. And some of us, like myself, don't want to speak that way all of our lives. There's nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of people that still do it. I don't hate on it. I understand it. I fuck with it. But in order to make that jump from being this, I'm not, I'm not a hood man. I've been in the hood. Uh, I'm not a gangster. I'm not going to say that, oh, I'm a ride up on you with a gun. It's also the reason in my verses I say, my homie's got this, my homie's got that, because I've been around it. I've been in the trap. Anybody that knows me, they know, they've seen me. It is what it is, right? The reason I bring all of that up is because, like, a lot of people judge based on what you do. Like, if if I continued to speak like that now, I wouldn't have been able to understand outside of making music or outside of the hood how a lot of other people function. So working at a summer camp, I got to see a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life that lived outside of my four corners of my part of NDG. You've touched on it a lot. We live in different areas of NDG. It's all one place, but it's all different. No big fact. Three hood, literally in NDG. You got the Elmhurst block, you got Walkley, and you got Southside. And Yo, okay, what is Southside? Southside, okay, Southside is Southside of the tracks. Okay. Yeah. See, that's and crazy. I don't even know that that's what it was when you said it in one of your songs. It didn't resonate with me that that's what you were talking about when you said Southside. I swear. Yeah. Um, a lot of people from Southside know what it is. A lot of people have said that, oh, it's not a real hood. That's where all the hot boys at DG live. Like, a lot of the Goonies, they gave a lot more respect to Elmhurst and Walkley, which I get. I get. But Southside's out here, too. Below the tracks. That's why I did that shit. Because back in the day, there was only a couple of ways into this area. You used to have to come below the tracks, upper Lachine, up to carry. And I don't even think you could go up to carry. It was weird. I think I was only out. They switched that shit up. The bridge, the tunnel, there wasn't a lot of ways to get here if you didn't know how to get here. So that's where below the tracks came from. But it allowed me to understand a lot of shit that I never would have understood by just staying, chilling. I still smoke weed, so I'm not going to put anything against that. Like, I get high all the time. But there's a whole other world out there that if you leave yourself in one spot, you're never going to see, you're never going to experience. And I hate to say it, there's a lot of people that don't mind that lingo. Like, I still talk to when I see my homies and shit. But in the business world, you have to be on your shit. You have to understand it. You have to be able to deliver your message clearly. And for me, it was... I dropped a lot of the lingo, a lot of the slang, and a lot of that shit. And this is the way I articulate and communicate. 
Yo, just um, to like add on to what you're saying, I got told in my last performance review that um, part of my lack of professionalism was my willingness to use slang at work. And I, I got, like, it wasn't to say I got I penalized know. for it, but some people question my maturity or my like adulting. And I swear it was because I'm like, hey, it was good. J just that kind of shit is enough to make certain types of people look at you in an office environment and go, you're not very managerial. Oh, you see, I'm as real as it gets. Like I still use bless, respect. That was dope. I hear you. I know what you're saying. All that. Um, I use all of that at work I, I for use years. I all of that every single day. And when I was younger, I had a lot, lack of confidence. So I had to be able to deliver my message clearly. Otherwise, I would get frustrated and just blow up on the person. Now that I'm older and I'm getting a lot more comfortable, I'm finding that I'm speaking more with both the slang and regular just in my everyday life. But I still don't use it as much as I did when I was younger. Fuck that. Everything used to be that shit. And that's why I swear so much. Because I swear a lot, a lot too. Up. I enjoy <laughs> like, it a lot. I feel like code switching is a very valuable asset that a lot of people can develop. You have to, in order to survive, you have to know the lingo, especially if you're, you're in the hood, the trap, or want to survive around the people that live that lifestyle. No, but even because in a different, a lot of shit will go over your head, and if you're not, if you're not on your shit, you'll get set up, you'll get fucked over, all by the same people sitting in the same room as you. You'll be you even go shit. in a different direction with it on the same topic and just language same language english we haven't even flipped languages um you go to the studio a man's is going to talk about reverb and delay one time realize you don't get it boom same thing exactly. yo you go to web marketing if i start dropping shit like yo what's the cta tell me how that cta is going to impact the ctr in order to raise the aro thus validating the extra cross sell if that don't make sense to you you cannot survive a fucking web marketing business meeting right now. You got to know every well, one of those things quick. I'm about to survive a web marketing business class <laughs> right now then. <laughs> it was like, is the button on, the, tell me why the button on that page is going to make us more money. Well, yo, <laughs> it's part of the shit that I got to learn. And that's why I said everything's a learning grind. Cause yo, I could teach you how to sell drugs. <laughs> I can't teach you about stocks. So different conversations that you that know, we've had different what's really before. really remarkable is listening so, to griselda records has absolutely helped me in the world of software like i i had a dude bring up to me about like buying a house and shit and i was like yo i understand you talk about that but that's not something we bring up every day like where i'm from but he's like yo my parents used to sit me down and tell me yo you got to think about savings buying a house building financially yo where i'm from it was i gotta make some money to make it till tomorrow i don't care how i gotta do it i'm gonna make that money and there's all kinds of different trades i decided to work i sold a little bit of weed who hasn't sold weed so when i refer to myself like oh i sold drugs it's really only weed i didn't sell no crack i didn't sell no pills um I'm not that dude, right? I've been around a lot of it. I'm still around certain people that still sell, chop, do their thing. I don't hate it. I got nothing against it, um, but that's not my grind. I decided to to work and now make music to tell that side of my story. 
Um, Yo, just to give him like yeah. props on that, he delayed his uh, <clears throat> first interview with me because he got a fucking job. He's like, I got a job. I can't do the interview. And I'm like, you know, of all of the excuses a person can give to not do an interview, that is a great one. Like, that's, that's like a, a congratulations, you know? Well, I, I, Very fast, bro. I'm not about that. Like, I could, I could, I could do it if I really, really had to. Push comes to shove. If I was in a situation where I had to, to grind it out like that, I would. Because I've been exposed to it so much, it's it's natural. But it's not for me. I have to work. I have to be active in that sense and build that way. But as because you said, you're gonna put the money. The grind will only get you so far, like anything else. If you're if you're fifty six, if you're fifty years old, still selling weed, and you don't have all of your other shit set up, you don't fucked up. I don't care what grind you're on, like whether you work, sell drugs or whatever, if you're still doing your shit, you don't have anything to your name, you don't own anything, you don't have something to your name, you fucked up in whatever walk of life you chose. Like, you got to think of your your, your future. And no, I like the that grind show, life, is. a lot of people don't have a future. Like, I've lost a lot of niggas to this shit already. Um, no. I'm probably going to lose more niggas to this shit. Niggas have been hit and survived. But it's a tough game to navigate. You get in too deep, there's no getting out. It's, it is what it is. Again, I take nothing away from it. I know niggas that do that. Do you, like, that's what it is. And I gotta make sure I say that because by saying, oh, I don't sell drugs or I don't do this, a lot of people might interpret, oh, he doesn't fuck with those types of people. He's lying in all of his raps. Nah, my nigga, if you know me, I've been around some of the motherfucking biggest gangsters, some of the most unlike people, some of the most like people Fair enough. that this side of Montreal has to offer. Um, no name jobs, because I don't do that shit. No, I'd rather um, not. I'm like, we're teetering on like, like that. that <laughs> I was like, well, like, we were approaching that edge of like, are we going too far with this conversation? I'm like, I try not to nope. be DJ Vlad. That's a big thing nope. for me. I don't do that <laughs> shit. I don't even have like, to be told. I'm not going to walk down that road. Those like, are stories that don't need to be told. I mean, I, I appreciate somebody saying, listen, I lived experiences and these things happened to me. And the part that these experiences happen here, etc. you're affiliated with it. Things happen and you have concern. These are all things I can state are valid things to state because, you know, maybe somebody like me just has no idea what's going on to any degree, you know? And I say that because... Yeah. Like, yo, I was motivated to similar things by watching my parents on welfare and shit. It's not exactly the same fear. It's not exactly it's the same cool. thing. I, I, when I was younger, my parents were on welfare. My parents had to do that grind. I went to, to churches for no, food I mean, baskets. Like, welcome home, I'm talking like today and that. now, my guy. I'm saying I see them today and now in their 50s. And no disrespect if you ever watch this, mommy and daddy. But like... It's just, I see that in their 50s, and I see what their lives entail, I, and it's just like, you I see it too. That shit's like a fire. I still have that shit, and, yo, again, no hate to people yeah, living like it. that, because I, I live through it, Man. but it's, it's not easy, it's hard, I just but not, I need to try everything in my fucking life to try not to live 
like that again or have my kids live like that. So whatever I need to do, even if I do have to go grind it out somehow, I'm going to try to do better. Like, yeah, I respect if I got to go to that, I will, but I, mean, I got to just... bust my ass. I mean, I believe that there are lots of positive options that are available to grind it out. I have been able to grind out lots of creative ways that were just from a computer and shit. Just tons of stuff out there to like do. But that's what I. But that's what I did. That's why I went got a job. And a lot of people have said over time, like, "Oh, I can't get a job." Yo, I where I work right now, we hire people that are just like we hire anybody and everybody. And I'm not doing no sales pitch for the job that I work at, but there are jobs out there. If you want to work, you can go out there and try to apply. It's never, ever, ever going to be what you want ever unless you go to school, you work on your degree, and you get your shit together that way. I don't have none of that. I still make pretty good money on my job, but I've worked a lot of bullshit jobs. I've been a barista at a cafe, six fucking four almost, looking like a gangster, a barista at your favorite second cup, or Starbucks. I've done that shit. Respect. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, your ethic is you incredible. And I stand by that whole, like, people need to watch your words for those who came in later or whatever. Because, like, I feel like had I talked to somebody with the way you approach music and use the language you use today, and you said that to me, like, eight years ago, I would have made a lot of different choices that I made throughout the last years in terms of a lot of things. I don't, a lot of it. I used to talk a lot of shit. You think that little mixtape well, I made a shit talking? It was a lampoon. It was just a little joke. But I, in general, I used I to just talk a lot of house. shit. I stayed in the house. As I was learning all of this shit, I didn't put on music. I didn't go chill. I wasn't out in the club. I fucking hate clubs. I've never been to a club in my life. I would rather pop a bottle and listen to music at the crib. That's how much of a homebody I am. But I learned a lot. I built a lot. I was able to develop a sound, really figure out exactly what I wanted to do musically. And I was able to figure out a lot of things throughout my 20s when I didn't release music where I'm not going to lie. I could have. I could have been like a lot of artists and been on this 10-year grind and have a lot of music. Sound quality doesn't sound good. Lyrics aren't on point. But... I just didn't feel comfortable with myself to release music to the world for everybody to hear. Um, very self-conscious. Social media was definitely a new thing to a lot of people back in 2009, 2010. Um, there was a lot more hate, a lot more people just going there to troll just for the hell of it. Um, so I didn't want to have to deal with a lot of that criticism. And not that I didn't, I don't think I, I could have. In your early 20s, you're a very fragile person. You can be, and based on my background, I was a little bit more fragile than other people. Um, so now that I'm older, I've built a little bit more confidence. And those who know me when I was younger would be like, this guy seemed confident as fuck. Yeah, but when you deal with mental health issues, it seems like that. So one day you're, you're blessed, but every day is a struggle to get up and keep going and get to work and, and 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 just keep going. Like I've been through a lot of shit where I'm sorry, it will make the hood look like a fucking walk in the park sometimes based on shit within life outside of just being in the hood. So 
like I have to work on this. So like, it's like, yeah, I have everything on point, but I've, I've, I've worked on it. I've lost a lot. I failed more times than I can count, but life keeps going, bro. Like <laughs> you got to keep going. And it's, it's just the way it is. Like mental health, first of all, is something that's slept on a lot, especially when it comes to African-American communities and the hood, it gets overlooked and there's too many people being left to the side because they're too afraid to open up about it. And I'm not going to lie. I still don't open it up to everybody. I kind of am now on like this interview and whoever sees it is going to know, but it gets overlooked way too much. There's a lot of people that you know that are dealing with a lot of shit. And it's not like, oh, they're a victim of domestic abuse, which a lot of people you know are. There's a lot of children in this world being fucked up. But I'm sorry, there's a lot of motherfucking people out there who are the biggest gangsters you know that have seen a lot of shit and have dealt with a lot of shit. And they're all fucked up in your in their head. But they still wake up, get up, and keep going. But it's it's something that gets overlooked. And when I was younger, I'm 30, right? So coming up in the 90s, 2000s, you talk about mental health. It was still that, oh, you're a pussy, suck it up and get back to it. Big facts. Like, so it's changed a lot, which is good, but there's still a lot more talking that has to go on because there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of shit and people get the wrong impression of a lot of people based on that. Like, yeah. I know people right now that'll be like, yo, that guy's crazy as shit. Yeah, but you don't know what he's dealing with. You don't know if he has a support system or anything. Like you're just judging him. Yo, and a lot of people I know a don't lot of people have degrees, but don't have a support system. No, yo, this is this is more like I would argue this is just everyone. This isn't just yeah. the hood. Like yo, I learned something. Like I, I deal with the borderline personality disorder stuffs, and I got more comfortable talking about it because it came up a few times on the interviews already and. But for like years, I didn't tell anyone at work because you don't want to be like treated different or you don't want to be like seen as using excuses or something because you got to be a man about yeah. your shit. And you, you don't want to be looked be, at as weak. Because otherwise you won't be given more. You won't get that opportunity to rise. It, oh, 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 he's he's like that, eh? That kind of shit's real, right? So like at some point, I got to be like, yo, I gotta tell my boss one time, just so you know, if I ever snap, it's because it is that the next thing, but shh. So that kind of shit one, two happens. But like, I realized along the way that most artists I know, forget about just other, just picture it. You're an artist. This is like a masochistic lifestyle in and of itself to pursue seriously. Like you're, you're probably coping with something to end up in a position where I feel like you're making art in a serious way past a certain level of serious, like past the hobby level. Like you're, you're looking for something I find, and I might be wrong, but I well, think a lot of us are dealing with stuff. Well, I kind of would like to say on that part that I'm the perfect example about that because I grinded and made music for 14 years as a hobby, just, just to do it. Just so if anybody's like, oh, you rap? Yeah, yeah, I rap. And a lot of times people would be like, oh yeah, I rap. And then they would spit bars and they couldn't rap. And it was funny as shit to, to see and watch. But I worked on my shit so much silently in my room that when people were like, oh, you rap? Yeah, let's hear something. 
and I open my mouth, they don't expect it. They're like, holy fuck. <laughs> and Spelly was a big part of that. But uh, shout out to the Planata crew, Deuce God, Har Lurker, and uh, Tizzy Fields. Because I, uh, I remember one of them. Yo, you got to give shout outs to him, man. He's one of the DJs out here pushing Yo, and grinding. I swear, not to like be name droppy. But I was just on a call with Duscrab before this, like earlier before the stream, because me and Duscrab be talking about like him migrating into a Twitch universe. Yo, that would be dope. <clears throat> but yo, so I work, I work, I work with his cousin, right? And his cousin raps, and he does his thing, dope music. But one day we were talking, and I was like, "Yeah, I make music," and he put me on the spot. Okay, spit something. So I did. And he looked at me and he was like, yo, you can actually rap. Like, you're not like a lot of these people that say, yo, you, I can rap and then you spit some bullshit. You can actually <laughs> rap. Have you ever thought about making music? And I was like, yeah, I thought about it. And then that's when Spelly started ringing off my phone. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny how things just work. Yeah, it does work like and that, this though. And guy challenged me one day. He's like, yo, go home, write a 16, come back and show me tomorrow. So I did, because I never wrote. Everything that I, like, I wrote some shit, and everything I wrote, I didn't really fuck with. Because that was just me screwing around. The shit that I actually fucked with, I used to come up with in my head. And it took a lot of people around me to be like, yo, you need to write that down. Link up, no word of a lie, was freestyled off the top of the dome when I walked into the booth, like, I wasn't really prepared. I didn't have it on my phone. I just blurted it out. And that's how I did a lot of my music. And it prevented me from really grasping the artistry fact of it. Because there's only so much you can do while thinking about the beat and creating a verse. You can't move. Like now, I have to hear my song in order to remember a lot of the lyrics. Like it's very hard to be like, shit, what exactly did I say on pushback? Where that never used to be the case. I relate to that. Like, I have so much shit written now. My phone's so full of shit. But it's it's allowed me to grow as an artist. It's, it's allowed me to make a little bit of twist. Get the, a certain pause on a beat. Uh, really find exactly how to fit that verse to the instrumental. Without just running through it. Um, I used to just write verses. Like, this one here. I probably wrote that to no beat. And that was also a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was that writing one. a lot to be to no beats and then just trying to fit it to beats. Oh my god. So it's it's no a little beat. different. I have a lot of written shit, but there's a couple of grinds to this music stuff. There's the all platform shit. And then there's the YouTube throwaway giveaway shit that you just as a rapper, especially, you have to have. You have to have those freestyle videos. Part of the reason why I did the 80 bar challenge. Um, part of the reason why I did the Lemon Pepper cover, uh, like remix. And I even did local rapper Nate Husser's uh, neck challenge last year. So, because you have to as a rapper, you have to have material ready to go on the spot. And the games changed so much that a freestyle where it used to be literally off the top of the dome, come up with it right on the spot, has changed a lot. As far as making, like I could I could write a verse out, spit it to a verse, spit it to a beat, 
put it out that same day, but there's not the level of quality, um, editing, mixing, mastering that would be in something that I would put out on all platforms. It's still a freestyle in the sense that I did it quick. I wrote it quick. It's not off the top of the dome freestyle. It's not the authentic real way of doing a freestyle, but the hip hop and rap game has changed so much, especially when it came to those dish track freestyle records that people would put out. They would hit the, the booth quick, jot something down and spit it to a beat. And then the younger generation really changed it where they started pulling out phones to do freestyles. Even now I see Hot 97 and I see all these motherfuckers pulling out phones to do freestyles. And what? Oh my I gosh. have to start writing. Yo, I'm, no, no word of a lie. I saw Dave East on a freestyle be like, yo, I got to pull out my phone because I wrote it on my way over here. And I'm like, yo, I can't do that. So that's part of the reason why I started memorizing a lot. And the freestyle yo, shit Dave that I East do. Dave is like for real reals too. Comes off the top of the, comes like, I have to memorize that shit. Because like, I, I, can, I can walk into anywhere and spit a verse that you have never fucking heard before on any of my music ever. I've probably never written it down, but I have a 16 somewhere in the back of my mind, just ready to go. And you've never heard it. So it's a freestyle, it's off the top. It's, it's ready to go. And that's a part of, that's a part of the game that like a lot of people overlook. Like I give respect to a lot of battle rappers and a lot of MCs that do off the top and make sense and put fucking together their words the right way. I can't do that shit. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie in front that I can. Um, I'm not gonna be like that person that's like, yeah, I can freestyle, put a beat on right now. If you do, I'm gonna spit an unreleased verse and unrecorded verse because that's the day and age in hip hop we're, we're, we're on. You've never heard it before. Nobody around me heard it before. It's gonna sound dope as fuck. It's gonna go to your beat and I can market that as a freestyle. And the truth is, there's been enough people who do this and then use these verses and songs later on. And I won't used... do that. No, but that That's do that, thing. but that do that, and then nobody really gave a shit. I mean, people make videos about it, people make noise about it, people talk about it, and then that guy gets more spins. If you if you see a freestyle video that I have, like, I just did a track that I recorded with my boy. I had to rework that track because I turned around and I used the lyrics for the 80 bar challenge. So I wrote all of that for a song and used that for a challenge <laughs> and told myself, I can't put that on a song. How can I call myself authentic if somebody goes back and they re-listen to my shit and they're like, oh, I thought this was a freestyle. And then I put it on a song. You can't market something as a freestyle and then put it on a song that defeats the first purpose of calling it a freestyle in today's day and age. Like, yeah, that shit's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I really like the way that you're um, cognizant of how the branding evolves, right? Like, these words it's, have changed. It's the business. It's, it's the business part of it. If, if you don't learn the business of anything that you do, whether you mop the floors as a janitor, whether you work at a restaurant, whether you make music, whatever you decide to do, if you don't learn the business side of it and you just go to work every single day, clock in and clock out, you're failing yourself. You got to learn every single day how that shit operates. Because I would like to hope that everybody has dreams of doing that shit themselves. Like 
I worked as a barista. I can literally tell you what coffee tastes like, how to taste it, how to try it, how to do everything, where the best beans are grown, what altitude will tell you is best. Like, I can tell you all that shit because I took it seriously. At the time, that's what I worked. That's what I did. So if I'm going to make music and I'm going to take that seriously, I got to learn the business side of it. And that's constantly changing. That's constantly evolving. Like, there are artists right now that start, like myself, that are so intimidated by the independent artistry side of it that they don't take that step right away. <clears throat> As you can see, my catalog is very limited in the short amount of time I've put out music. Uh, limited is but not the word have... ideas. Limited is but... not the word ideas. I would okay. argue it's not necessarily like easy in one spot to get your shit. It's a little like you have to go to at least two sources, but once you figure out or three sources or whatever, once you figure out where all the shit is, you have a solid amount of music in terms of like the singles definitely lacking on the album. It'd be dope to hear like a full showbiz project. You see, that's the thing. Somebody else brought up album to me. This is the hip hop game. This is the rap game. There's a slow grind and a process to it. You start out, Okay, I can rap. Then you take yourself seriously, you get to the studio. Then you start putting out a song here, a song there, maybe do a music video or two. I haven't even hit the mixtape level yet. Album? Shit. That's so far out as far as thought process because you listen to a lot of your, your, your favorite rappers, a lot of the people that have grinded and know the business, if I drop an album tomorrow, which I have the material to do, I don't have the resources right now as a real artist, as a new artist, to get it to where it needs to be to call it a success. If it flops as an independent artist, I can't think of the future side of it not being affected by, oh, he had poor album sales because I'm trying to charge people for that. That will affect what I do. I'm new to this shit. There are steps, there are levels to it that I have to learn and get to. And I'm not trying to jump the gun. Like Going back to what I was just saying, some people are intimidated and they go with the YouTube grind for a long time because, oh, they can get some views there. I have more fucking views and listen, more, more streams on Spotify than I have on YouTube with everything I have combined. Because that's a separate grind from a YouTube grind. That's a separate grind from, oh, going to the studio and making music. As a new artist, you have to hit the ground and you have to push your music yourself. I could pay hundreds of dollars to get people to promote it for me. I've spent some money. And you know what it got me? It got me a like on fucking Instagram. Spit that fact. That's what it got me. Spit it. it there, there's more to it. You got to put yourself out there. You got to reach out to people. I can bring up my Spotify shit right now on my side. Since December, I got like 15,000 streams, but it's not my niggas down the street. And a lot of people focus on the local scene too much that they forget about the outside world. I got a song coming out with a producer from New York. My main producer is from Russia. I'm really, really, really trying to get a producer from India because that sound is being slept on in hip hop. Not enough people use it, but a lot of people know about it. So... I'm trying to get my shit out there to different parts of the world. My main audience right now, South Africa, 
Russia, parts of the states, not really local shit. Because you got to push it to everybody, not just, oh, these are the friends that I followed in high school. They follow me on Instagram or Facebook. They'll listen to my music and push it. They ain't pushing shit. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. You're, like, especially for me, I'm a 30-year-old man trying to push music. They don't give a fuck about that. They won't care until other people start to care. Mm. And if I focused on that, I'd have zero streams. I'd have zero monthly listeners. You're the biggest local rappers in the city, the biggest local artists in the city still struggle to hit certain heights because they know it's a grind. Like some people pay their way. You can do that. I ain't taking nothing away from that, <laughs> but that's only going to get you as far as you're willing to pay. One time listens on some random playlist you've never heard of, you've never seen of, and nobody else listens to it. It's got 30 likes, but they're pushing it to other people because their grind is to take your money and now to push this playlist to as many people as possible. They don't give a fuck about your music. They don't care about you as an artist. You have to care. You have to grind. And five streams, three likes, two subscribers, that don't mean shit. You still got to push. You still got to grind. And it'll come. It will come if you're dedicated to it. Like, I got a couple songs pushing half decent numbers for a new artist to hit 5,000. <sighs> Shit, I'm happy as fuck. I have songs that have like 40, like, I don't care. I'm trying to hit 10,000 on, on, on my next song that I put out. Then I'm trying to hit 20,000. I'm trying to push and keep going and keep going and keep going. So, like, I can't worry and think about an album and then, oh, I'm trying to charge people for that shit and my dude down the street don't even know who I am yet. It's long answer to get to that spot, but... No, yeah, that's, no, a really, that's another really good answer because, yeah, I put a lot of time and money into albums when I was younger and I'm still going to do it because I like it. I, that's... You, as you can see, I literally decided mixtapes were important this week, and I woke up and I went on a stream and I, and I, uh, I made a little joke. My producer, my producer literally sent me thirty beats like two weeks ago, saying, "Yo, let's get an album in." And I told him the exact same thing. <coughs> I haven't even put out a mixtape. Who the hell's talking about album? But and here's, like, here's the thing: oh. like, I've, I'm really fascinated by albums my whole life. I, I like albums more than I like singles for most of my life. There's a period where I got into singles more, but then I moved back to I do album reviews. To me, like my first album's bullshit, but my next two albums, I really like them. I think that no matter when somebody goes and listens to these two things, sound quality aside, as in engineering choices, whatever aside, you can listen to that shit to this day, both of them. And I fucking love them to this day. I get that. And Everybody I'm fine with that. But I'm also not trying to sell them. I just wanted to make them. And then Fair uh, I wanted to charge people for other things like, well, this interview grind is more where I'm going with the monetization routes. Okay. Well, my, my whole thing about it is you put out an album. The reason why a lot of people put out an album is they want to show their diversity and they want to show what they're capable of. Really? I feel, well, they put out a, an extended project because they want to show more than just one single. They want to show more than one song. They want to show, okay, 
at least from my perspective. They want to be able to showcase themselves. No, you're probably that's what right. But that's, right? that's not even how I ever saw an album. For me, albums are stories. If you're not telling a story on an album, why are you making an album? Albums are stories. D depending on the perspective you look at the the album from, because yes, that I agree with on the mixtape that I'm that I'm that I'm working on right now. The name of it literally will tie in to the all five songs, and I get that when people do like albums, but there's a lot of albums out there where no two songs have anything to do with each other. Yeah, but usually you can follow the theme of the album and whether it's like take an example of one where they don't talk about shit. Uh, Method Man, Red Man, Blackout. It's an emotional song where you feel like you go out for the night across the course of the album. So the emotional energy tells a story um, or it'll be like. Uh, or the way Kendrick Lamar might do it, where technically they might be really drawn together, but sometimes it's just the top-level subjects of the songs and the way they sequence it together. By the beginning point to the end of it, you have a story that gets communicated. But the thing is, is not a lot of people want to go look for that shit, but I kind of geek on album reviews. But, no, I, I get that, and I've seen a lot of them, but uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people also showcase what they can do like especially in today's game where okay you have a lot of people that rap and sing and do a lot of other things so on a certain song they're going to rap a little bit more heavier and they're not going to sing and then on another song they're going to showcase that they can sing my angle is if i do an album or a mixtape i want to be able to show a multiple styles that i'm capable to cover a lot of different aspects as a rapper i want to be able to have songs that aren't just, okay, I got to sit down and listen to and make sure that I pay attention to all of the, the lyrics and figure out all of the punchlines. I wanted to be able to make songs that people could just nod their head to, listen to the chorus, not necessarily, because it's, it's that general audience thing, right? So I want to be able to show, yes, I, as a rapper, can hop on a melodic type transient song and still keep the authenticity of a rapper and still get on the track. The old school way of a rapper featuring on a track where right now you have a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm a rapper, but I'm gonna do a song with this auto-tune dude and now I'm gonna use auto-tune. Nah, fuck that. I'm gonna show that I can do what you can do and if it's done right, it'll still have swag, it'll still have style, and it'll still fit. And I, I want to be able to showcase that. So, like, I have a song you'll see where that's melodic as you can. I have Shelly singing on that. I had to write to that. I had nothing in my phone, nothing ready to go. I had to write to that on the spot to be able to fit the feel and the vibe of the song. So now, like, I feel like I'm ready to take the step to the mixtape where I can show, okay, here's five songs all five different feels, but it showcased that as an artist, I'm capable of doing it. Like I have really deep emotional songs. I have uplifting, fast, uh, high tempo songs. I have what I like to consider are bangers that haven't been heard yet. Um, I'm never gonna do that sing-songy melodic stuff because <coughs> it's not the type of rapper I'm trying to be. The, 
there's 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 different levels to it as a rapper. Like you have your street rappers, your hood rappers, your melodic rappers, your jazz rappers, your conscious rappers, and a lot of people don't realize that. So right now, what's really popular is that melodic rap. But the way I rap gets overlooked if I rap the way I started rapping, and that's you can hear on straight bars. I listen to straight bars. I fuck with it. It's dope. Punchline after punchline. I like it too. But somebody who doesn't listen to hip hop and doesn't listen to rap isn't going to listen to that more than once. Yeah, I can hear what you're saying with that. So I have another song called We the Best where it's a little bit more bouncy, a little bit more jingle, and the hook is really the most important part of it. Even my song Bounce, Bounce, Tell Me Would You Bounce Back? If You Lost It, it's, it's more... People can fuck with the hook. People fuck with the beat. Because growing up, it was all about the lyrics. High school, it was all about the beat. Recently, it's all about the turn up. Can you get all three? Can you deliver with lyrics? Can you get that emotional feel and that emotional uh, pull from people? But can you also have a song be bounced just at a party and nobody really has to pay attention to it. That chore music, I'm not gonna lie to you, that resonated with me the first time I heard you. The first time I heard you say that was when I watched the Don Smooth interview and you asked him that question, right? Respect. So that resonated with me. As a rapper, can I make a song that can withstand the test of time? Can somebody put on a song 10 years from now and still bump it and be like, yo, I remember when I used to listen to this song doing whatever I was doing. Yo, that's that's it, my new dream. It means a lot. But you, as a rapper, you have to have a catalog. You have to show, yeah, I can hop on a club song. I can hop on a bitch track. I don't really do bitch tracks. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but I can hop on a deep song. I can tell a story. I can make you feel something. I can bring you into my world. That's rap. That's hip hop. All the other stuff, if you want to make it as a rapper, you have to learn. Because you will be stuck in a pocket of, oh, you only make that kind of music. Features are important. And not necessarily for you right now as an artist to be like, oh, yeah, I got a feature in with a lot of people. But on that feature, can you hop on that artist's style? I used to be a rapper that was like, I'll never do South Beats. I'll never do these types of beats. Because I was New York to the fullest. Put on a New York beat. But now... I have features with people that do all kinds of stuff that are like unreleased music where it's like, okay, this guy raps like an old school New York rapper. He's got a lot of flavor and a lot of swag. Can I meet him at his level and do that style, but still deliver my element to it? Can I hop on a song with somebody who has a little bit more Southerny, Memphis or even West Coast flow and have my style resonate on that particular track? And that takes a lot of growth as an artist. Like, I used to be like, oh, I can't do this song because my work on it. Okay, that's good. Be stuck in a box. Now it's like, put on a beat, give me 15 minutes. I'm going to fit that and I'm going to bless it. Like, whether you're like, okay, I fuck with this style all the time, you're going to be like, I don't know who that was, but he did that shit nice. (laughs) Like, he came in, he blessed it. It wasn't like those rappers that are like, you probably shouldn't have did that. He didn't fit the beat. And go ahead, do your thing. But I want to, I want to be able to, 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 to show that, like that I'm diverse. Like 
your style, I'm not the greatest at it, and I'm not going to claim that I'm the, the dopest MC out there, like bar for bar battle rap style. But bar for bar, I can hold my own. I wake up feeling like I'm the dopest fucking rapper that the city has to offer. I know that's not true. I'm very level-headed when it comes to that. But Okay, but like, I'm going to give you a little flowers here for a second. Your attitude is on point, and that that is not necessarily as universal. A lot. I, I, I've seen a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of failure. I've seen like you 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 have to understand what you're doing to go about it properly. Mm. And I'm a rapper. Um, I was a secluded person, but now I have to be outside of the box. I have to be outspoken. I, if you saw me when I was younger, that's that's the, the the illusion that I gave off. So I have to be more of that person. I can't be stuck in my in my head having these thoughts and shit like that. No, I gotta have these beliefs in order to do it. You go to your job every single day. You would better hope that you have the belief that you're the best motherfucker in there. I've started out as literally no word of a lie, a bagger in a tree store. And was cocky enough to believe I'm the best bagger you have out there. Put me up against any bagger. I'm a bag that shit faster and better. I used to believe that I was the next LeBron James when I played ball. Ken Griffey when I played baseball. Like you have to have that belief. You have to believe in yourself first before anybody else will. That resonates. Because with me. that's what it is. I've I've asked myself, how did this person do this or do that? They had the confidence and they believed. They walked into a room as themselves every day and just believed that they were the shit and people had better get to know them now. Not to be cocky or anything, but that no. it's like... It's a I, I don't think it's cockiness. I think people mistake cocky, cockiness and confidence like all the fucking time. You're being extremely confident, but also you're being humble. You're not like above your breaches. If you were being like cocky about it per se, you'd be going, bro, I'm dropping seven albums this year or some shit like that. Right? That would be like maybe cocky, but also like you're going to sell all this shit, whatever, whatever. No, you're very like self-aware of where you're at. But I also feel like people have this bad habit of like when you believe in yourself, redefining that as cockiness. And like, yo, like just because you believe in yourself doesn't make you arrogant. Like, sorry that if you are just interested in purchasing a home and that is like the be all and all of your life, some of us have other dreams. And just by having other dreams, some people might like find it. I know I come off like a pretentious douchebag to a lot of motherfucking people, but I also read a lot of fucking books in the last couple of years. So I just can talk about a lot of things, you know, <laughs> I've done, I've yeah. done things, you know, like I don't want to like play like I'm special. But, like, a lot of what you're saying resonates with me. I believe I am, like, top-tier employee at my company. And evidently... You have, you have to have that belief. And they keep but like, And they keep elevating me and shit. Because I have... But it's not just that. It's also, like, yo, my job isn't the same. I keep reinventing my job. And they keep having to, like, move things around. And you keep reinventing the world. Because life isn't, like, static. But... I just think that the idea of going, I remember working at the video store. How does this work? How do I, like one day I just re put out the new videos cause the next lady wasn't there and I'd never been told how to do it, but come on, how dumb can you be? Like you just, do, 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 do. Yeah. you figure it out. I was like 18, 19, but that whole idea of how does it all work and shit, bro. That's to me, like that makes sense. That's what like you do. Yo, minimum wage, minimum effort is the weirdest attitude. I'm like, bro, you agreed to do the job. At least be the best at the job. Yes and no, right? 
because I'm a realist. Like, yes, I go to a job now. I make pretty good money, but I grinded my way towards that. Mm. I swear to God, if I go back to minimum wage right now, okay, whatever I do, there's certain limitations that I will have. I agree. Like even when Me I was too. a minimum wage employee, as a bagger in a grocery store, there were certain things they would ask me to do and I would look at them and I'd be like, you didn't hire me for that. You no, hired I, me to I, do that. I respect job. that. But I mean, it's, I've been in positions where minimum wage, minimum effort was extended to the responsibilities upon which you've been hired on the principle that the minimum wage wasn't what you were according to and liking, which is all fair and good. I want to on minimum wage because I had to prove that I was capable of running it in order to get that manager money. But... But that's there was something at that the end manager of the money. That's the realest shit I ever yeah. heard. I ain't ever seen a person rise up in corporate land that didn't do what you just described. Like my boss basically told me earlier this year, like, hold in, the big boss, because your attitude can be trash. Uh, it can be trash. I admit it. Uh, like he needs to be convinced that like you really are the real one for this role that we're trying to make up and invent. Keep in mind, make up and invent. This role doesn't exist, so we have to convince my boss that like this is like actually worth giving money towards, you know? So basically yeah, I, that meant I that where I could actually tell somebody that either you give me the money or I'm quitting, but that's not how and it worked. So it turned out that now I have to like, with no disrespect to them, I have to kind of do the job and prove it. And then we can get to that conversation. Yeah. But there were steps along the way where like, I've been looked at before at jobs and they're like, there's so much shit that happens with you that we would promote you, but there's so much going on with you. Mm. So I was like, okay, like I get that. I understand that. Like I'm going to be missing work two, three days in a row just because, Hey, I'm young and I don't give a fuck about this job or like something will happen. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to prioritize this over my job. And that has affected me. But at the end of the day, I'm a human being. I understand that I only have one life to live and I don't really give a fuck about the job. There's certain things you have to do to get up and move up and make more money that you're just going to suck up and do. But I have a life to live, bro. If I want to call in sick, I'm going to call in sick. Your job can kiss my ass. Like, <laughs> if, no, like, no, to be fair, like, I, I see both sides of it. Like, I, yeah, I did the grind of moving but, up, but I mean it more like, <laughs> So look, I, I want to add an amendment. You did that grind. Now, I don't believe in moving backwards. <laughs> so once you hit a certain threshold, I don't want to go backwards. So my position now is absolutely like, bro, I, I'm used to personal days. A personal yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. How can I go to a life without personal days now? I can't. I'm spoiled. I've been spoiled for so fucking long and I know it. But like, I also think these things are important. So like, I yo... I could go make more money, but I'd have to give up two weeks of vacation a year. And I was like, fuck that. But listen, but listen, I, want the I worked a job for five years. I built my way up to three, three weeks vacation a year. I did a lot of that shit, was being paid $17 an hour, having started at like nine bucks. So I built my way up that way too. Big respect. And it was in a grocery store where it's like, I'm 25. Do I really want to do this? Well, hold up. Can we just acknowledge that pulling $17 in a grocery store is pretty impressive? Like, well, I also worked in Westmount, and depending on the grocery store you work at, their pay scales are different. So 
Um, I can't forget that part. But like the thing about it is, is I would be living comfortably right now had I stayed five weeks vacation, making like 20 bucks an hour, living blessed. But there's no mental challenge to that. I threw all of that away to start at a coffee shop to work my way up. And I eventually became manager because I wasn't comfortable with just status quo. Okay, I'm getting the money, I'm getting the vacation, but I'm not getting the acknowledgement. Mm. I would tell people, oh yeah, I work in a grocery store. You know what the you know what the number one answer would be? Oh, when do you plan on going back to school? Yo, I hate that. I hate I that answer. I became a coffee shop, a deadbeat coffee shop, because that's what they are. There's no future in coffee shops unless you own it. But I would tell them, I'm the manager of a coffee shop. You know what their response would be? Well, when do you plan on becoming an owner? People ask you what you do for as a living, and then they decide how much respect to give you. They, oh, he's just a janitor. Huge fact. Oh, he's just a No, that motherfucking janitor bust his ass, probably works two jobs to support whatever he needs to support. Like... But people do but, judge like that still. Nah, it's big facts. I, I, was, I was tired of hearing it, so I quit and I, I decided to grind my way up. But what, Now, I'm a team leader of a food production company that really isn't going to lead to much unless I decide to like give my 100 to that job. But I'm not going to. I'm going to give 100 to my music because all that time where I worked and I gave 150% to all these other jobs and all these corporations... They ain't throwing me no parties. They ain't throwing me no congratulations. They're just coming in the next day and being like, you got to work harder. The job's never done. I'm going to give that same effort to pushing this music and grinding it out and starting to make money off of that, whether people listen or not. I'm going to give that same attention to myself. I'm going to invest in myself the same way these guys do. And that's how they make it. Like, the owner of a restaurant... The voice of a fucking generation. Not all of them started with that money. Some of them built up and they 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 worked a, a, a garbage job. Nobody wanted to work. They took out the trash for companies. They stacked their money and they built their way up and they learned the business before they bought their own. Like they didn't just stay at one job and be like, okay, I understand that this is going to be the rest of my life. If I get a job when I'm 45, 50, that's a little different. But I'm young. I got I to gotta experience different shit. I got to live life. I got to try different things in order to find the best version of myself. Like, you know, the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life, and I'm not taking away to the people that are in a situation where they have no choice, but I've seen people work at grocery stores, grind 20 years, and they're literally sitting there at the lunch table on their break, eating their sandwich or whatever they're eating, staring blankly into the abyss. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to be that person because they are probably thinking to themselves, how the fuck did I end up here? Dude, I went through that exact experience at the fucking factory. I was at the La Senza distribution center and I saw these people who had been there like 20 years and I'm like, yo, imagine, and there's no sun, but there's no sun or anything. You're just in this, this room where you're throwing bras and panties into boxes. (laughs) I'm, I'm, but I'm not like, I know it's preposterous. I don't like lingerie to this day. Like, I'm just not into it no more, ever. But, like, yo, you know, for real. I hate going to the grocery store because I gave, like, 10 years of my life to that to, to working in grocery stores. Like, it took me the longest time to realize I am not going to work this job and then come back and give my money to this grocery store. What the fuck is the point? Mm. Like, that was, like, my girlfriend was like, yo, why, 
why don't you like to go to, I worked at Metro on Westmont. Why don't you like to go to Metro? I'll go to Metro now. But I'm like, why would I work for them 40 hours a week just to turn around and give them $200 back? Well, like, no, my only answer that. is it's a lit fucking Metro. And I know what you're saying. Now it is. But pregnant. Because now, now it's like, bro, they get the like shit that the, you know, I'm on the Walkley Metro. That's my Metro, right? So, and you see the I difference between. I used to live up on, uh, I used to live up off of Summerlid there. So I know that grind. So that's... that Metro is nasty. It's that better. Metro is <clears throat> It's, it's better. bread never used to be made properly. Their meat looked bad. Oh, uh, yo, that's. No, it's all right. No, like, they have new owners like several times since I've lived here. Uh, but it was, you... it used to be bad. That was a ghetto ass metro. But it's still a ghetto ass metro. And everybody that lives in that area or still lives in that area knows it was a ghetto ass metro. So it's cleaned up, but then you go to the Snowden metro, and it's bougie. completely different. It's bougie yeah. metro, and you're like, the wow. metro, the metro on Westmount, different. Like, it's if I'm gonna work a shit job, I'm not gonna work in a shit hole. Like, a grocery store job is a, is is a shit job. It really is. I did it so long I can walk into any grocery store in the city, in the world, and get a good pay. But I don't want to fucking do that shit. Like, nah. <laughs> nah, and I hear that a lot. Like, I was talking to a friend, um, and about five years ago, I told him I had left the call center at this point. And part of why I stayed at my company is because I was in the call center for four years. And in that, I became a trainer. And in that... I moved into the next part and in that and so I kept having that happen to me which while Make it good money, I bet. Nah, money's whatever but it's when the experiences and the job Thank never you. got boring I like that money's whatever too yeah. many people get caught up in them I could make more you make more money not staying at a company but yep. secretly um, I don't know that I'd be able to sit here and play the 7 to 10 year content expect that hometown discount Oh, he's been he's been with us so long, so he'll take a little bit less money. Which, nah, same job. Uh, nah, company nah to be more. fair, I also got like wasted a few times, did some dumb shit. I also had arguments. Like they're not like fully, they're not good at like forgetting the past, but they do remember legitimately some dumb shit I've done. That's all fair and good. But like it's more. I've picked out a few boxes in my life. The education, get... the education I have, even right now. I'm learning about community building for brands. I'm learning about reputation management for brands. I'm learning how to directly manage people. I'm learning about web analytics, how to communicate with rich people. I'm learning all of this and I'm getting paid to do it. Like, what? Are you kidding me? How is this not going to help me in everything else I want to do? Yo, a lot of things in life, though, they don't tell you unless you ask or you go looking for it. That's like true. it's one thing I learned building my way up from literally being a bagger to now being able to manage restaurants and shit like that. If you don't ask, hey, where does this come from? What distributors do you use? You will literally just clock in and clock out. Hey, who came up with the recipe? Who did this? Who did that? Like, they're not going to take you seriously. They're not going to be like, oh, John, who comes into work every single day on time, but asks nothing about anything else and just does his job, we're not going to move him up. But George, who came in last week, that's asking me, hey, who does the deliveries? When does it come in? What days of the week? That's the guy they're going to promote because one of my bosses told me, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And I was like, this motherfucker just told me that if I don't tell you how good I am or show you how good I am, 
or ask you what you know, I'm going to be left behind. Bro. If I'm not vocal about my shit, nobody's going to care. I'm going to be that silent guy off to the side that, oh, Kyle comes to work every day, but nobody cares. Literally, I've had to, I've told a lot of people that nobody cares unless you make them care. Facts. Like, you go to a job every single day. Well, guess what? If you don't show up tomorrow, Wednesday, they will have a new employee doing your same job. That company will still be there. They don't care about you. You got to build your shit so that if you're gone, they care. Like, I've worked companies where they folded after I left. Like, those businesses do not exist anymore. Because I was able to... It stopped being about, oh, let me build this for the boss and the company as much as let me build this for me. Let me build up to the employees to the best of their potential. Let me interact with the clientele. So when I leave a spot, my imprint has been left. Like, my whole point of being a manager wasn't to be, oh, let me be the strictest manager. I don't give a fuck about your business. That's your business. You got to care about it. I'm going to do my job, but I'm going to also give the employees an experience that they're not going to get because other managers come in and treat them as an employee number. I treat them by the person who they are. They all have names. They all have backgrounds. They all do things outside of work. And if you make your employee feel like a person and feel like they're wanted and accepted, they will work that much harder for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. They will bend over backwards for you and ride to the death for you. And it's an experience they won't get somewhere else because everybody will be like, okay, Jacob didn't show up today. Jacob didn't show up tomorrow. Okay, now we have job. Like they don't, they don't care. But there's, they're, they're, they're people. They're not employees. Some of them are students. Some of them are new to the country. Some of them are on a grind you don't even know about. And they always get dismissed. Like I've had such a hard life and I've been dismissed so many times that it's one of my things like, nah, bro, I'm going to remember you and you're going to remember me because like I care that much. The job's one thing, but can I teach you along the way? Can I teach you why we do things this way? I got my food safety and I swear to God, when I worked in restaurants, I taught my people more food safety than any other job I've worked in the food industry from people with higher food safety than me. They don't care. They don't teach you shit. They just expect you to clock in, do your job, clock out, go home. But no, I've heard people that have higher education than me. They're engineers. There are all these different things and they're capable of learning. I've, I have worked so many jobs to the point where like I've learned and I've taught like to the point where I can walk out of like a restaurant or wherever I am and that business will run as if I am still there. Orders will get done. Everything will get done because every single one of my employees for the most part knows what to do. And if one doesn't know the other person working with him will, because there's more to just teaching them how to play a sandwich. No, teach them why you played it a certain way and what separates you from the, if you work at McDonald's, from the McDonald's down the street. That's because you care. You place the ingredients on the way they're supposed to be put on, the right way, you wrap it properly, you care. And I, I know those are little things that a lot of people are like, yeah, uh, but I work in the past. No, you got to understand something that that resonated heavy with me. 
you remember the McDonald's that didn't put on your fucking ingredients right, and you don't go back to that McDonald's because fuck that McDonald's. It's fucking McDonald's. Yeah, God but you will shit. constantly go back to somebody that made your shit properly, and they didn't care about, oh, was this complicated or was that? No, we did your shit right. We did you legit. That's it. Come back and spend your money. People walk into a place, and they, they don't walk into a place, oh, just because I have to eat, I'm hungry. They walk into certain places because they want to spend money. If they just wanted to eat, they would go to the grocery store and get a loaf of bread or uh, a head of lettuce or some shit like that and eat. But no, they want to go into the Copper Branch, the McDonald's, or whatever high-end fancy restaurant you can but think really of. did work in West Bank. The experience, <laughs> the food, everything that goes into it. So they walk in with money, and I love it. I'm black. I dress like a thug all the time. I walk into stores with stacks of money, and nobody will come up to me and be like, oh, what can we help you with? They will follow you and be like, you're stealing but they won't give you that same experience. So I'll leave. They walk in, they want to spend money. Now you chose the job, make them spend money. Cause that's how you get paid. If a person comes in and walks out and doesn't spend money at a certain point, I'm not going to be able to pay you. It's just facts. And a lot of people come into a place and establishment. They want to spend money. You just got to convince them to do it. Yo, everything you just said applies to a lot more than just everything. Um, you could bring that back into music, right? Like, or just how people work together. It's like something I've noticed, and I haven't done a lot of features or a lot of collaborations, but something I've noticed is how little people will promote the things they're involved in, right? Sorry? No, 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 no. I'm watching the, uh, the screen at the same time. I watch comments too, bro. Nah, I was fair enough. I was just like, I was making sure we all could. Um, <clears throat> but then it's like, so let's say as an example, we do this interview. I put it out. We make clips. We put it out. And then you never share it with like another human or whatever. I mean. I'm going to share the shit out of this. No, I'm not what do you mean? You. I'm not saying <laughs> Yo, I'm going to share the shit out of this. Not you. I'm giving an example. Okay, the example is based in like most people do it like this and it's not like facts but like bro i can tell you who shared it or not based on which one has all the numbers are really shit and which one has at least a 30 or a 40 somewhere that appeared not to say that these are hot but that's how bad the numbers are and it's like let's put it this way i show people my youtube page and they laugh because they're like oh you have a song that has 30 streams yeah okay that's one part of it now, Go over to Spotify or another platform. It might hit different. There's, it's more like, there's so many angles and so many different things. So, so I guess where I'm going with it is we do this interview, right? And I'm trying to introduce you to whatever side of my audience is there. But everybody that knows me knows my shit's not that like lit, right? Like, you know I'm not getting millions of fucking DJ Vlad fucking views and shit. Like, you know it because you can click on my shit and see what's happening. So my question then is, so why, not not to say it in a negative way, but why are we all doing this? So I go and give you this piece of content for you to have a piece of promotional material to describe yourself to your fan base in some way. And then you just leave it sitting there and you never like, in, why, do, like, why, why are we, like, I'm doing it. I have lots of reasons to do it. I'm very happy. But this is the kind of stuff where I'm like, if you think back to it, if we all give like more of an active my effort, in every, sorry. My, produ my producer that I work with that makes a lot of my beats, it's the time just dropped another one. He told me, he's like, one of the reasons why I like to work with you is because you're not afraid of the grind. 
Like you will take every bit of material, every little piece, and try to push that shit as far as possible. And I'm sorry, are you an artist if you put out <coughs> one song a year and don't promote the shit out of that every single day? I don't care if you put out one song a year, but who the fuck is gonna listen if you put it out once mm. and don't share it and don't push it? And don't keep bringing people back to it. As an artist, and I heard it recently by somebody that posted something, you can never promote yourself enough. If I put out a song right now, and right off the bat, it's going to get a thousand views. I'm not even at that level yet, so I'm not even going to say I am. But it gets a thousand views right off the bat. I have to work to get that other thousand unless I pay my way. Or I've put it in the right spots where I can get that quick 50,000. But now, what else do I have? Part of the reason why I wanted to speed up how many songs I put out was because I clicked on somebody on my profile in my catalog and I was like, yeah, look at this YouTube page. It's starting to pick up. I got a couple of things. And then I looked at other artists, even local artists, and I saw, okay, they have a hundred times more than me. They're on all platforms and they're just dedicated to the grind. It's not about the streams. The streams will eventually come if I stay dedicated nice. and I work my shit the right way. But I clicked on a link and I went to go, uh, I just clicked on an IG where you could share the music and a local artist. And I was like, all of his shit's up there. And look, there's like 30 fucking songs here. I got to start doing that. I got to put out more material. Like I, I can't just drop a song and be like, okay, that's good. And then I see a person drop a song every three months, but over three months, they are promoting the shit out of it. Everywhere you look, oh shit, that song's there, this song's there, that artist is there. And yeah, okay, sometimes it doesn't go outside of the city, but they're pushing it as hard as they can. So that's part of the reason why I had to slow down because I put out three songs in December, only two of them got hits. But one of them, I didn't have a chance to be like, this song is out. It just came out. Because I took the time to promote the other songs. And I'm new to this, so I don't have six or seven people working with me behind the scenes, helping me and teaching me how to push it. So you have to slow down. And like, I didn't go from zero streams to some of my songs, like now in a week being able to hit a thousand on Spotify, not necessarily YouTube or other platforms. It didn't happen just because, oh, I put out a song and I didn't promote it. Now, just look at my IG page. 90% of my last like 20 posts are probably all about my song down that just came out. I did notice. You look that. at my reel, it's all about this and that because the algorithms on all of these social media platforms, I don't care how many followers you have, unless you've you passed that 5,000 threshold, that 10,000 threshold. You have six, 700 followers, 1,000 followers, only like 200 people are seeing it. I'm at that 700 mark. So only like 50, 60 people at a time are seeing it. If I want to hit that whole audience, I got to post the same shit six times, seven times. And that's not just IG, that's Facebook, that's uh, TikTok, that's anything you try to build a fan base on. You have to, like, like, I've noticed, if I join a social media platform today and I post something, that first initial post might get 100 clicks right off the bat. That second post won't because that algorithm that algorithm is designed to get you hooked. So they give you a couple of streams and they're like, oh, look at that. I got some streams. So now you're like, oh, how do I get it again? And you keep posting and you keep going, but you're not going to get it 
unless you keep at it and you try to reach your whole audience. Once you get to a certain platform, I get it. It's easier to move and push your shit. I get all of that. But at the beginning, 700 followers, I've looked at my insights. I got a business account on my IG shit. I use Reels. I use IGTV. And I see 50 people out of the 700 people that follow me interacted with this post. So I got posted three times. And then I see on the third post, people are liking it. They never liked the first post. Same caption, same everything. It's just you got to work the game. And then you got to go back and you got to clean your shit up so it doesn't look like you're an obsessive person that just likes your own shit. So you got to clean it up every now and then because you got to look like a professional artist while still pushing and promoting your stuff. I could pay $150 right now and have my music on DMS. Again, what's it going to do? Get me some streams on YouTube. Nobody's... No, it's it's not to hate on DMS. No, no. Like it's, 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 I love that shit. I love that shit. But... I'm not going to spend $1,000 on DMS over the next month and be the next hottest rapper. I'm not. There's more to it. There's a grind to it. Like Big facts. People so, don't realize that. Like, yeah, okay, I can spend a lot of fucking money, but shit, I got to live too. I got rent to pay. I got food to buy. I got luxuries that I like to live by. I'm not trying to spend $500 on promo right now at this level where it's not going to come back other than 500 views on YouTube, a couple of likes on Instagram. That's not worth the investment. That's all I'm trying to say about that. I said, I brought up DMS because no. they're one of the biggest promotional no, platforms. I, I, honestly, I'm all about the ROI. So I often think about it from the perspective of when you do promo, what are you promoing? And then there's the, that's the next question. So if you're promoing for brand awareness, it's a bit of a weird one because I mean, it's like throwing money at sticking a logo somewhere. That's all that throwing promoing brand awareness is. Marketing and promo are also confused. They're not the same thing. Marketing is like what you are and how you're going to go about it. And promo is a means of spreading that marketing message, right? So they're already separate things. And then like in theory, you're supposed to be promoing like, like I would do a promo for a song for DMS, let's say, if I had a merch drop attached to it. Because it would make it back. And, and I've done it. I promoted my song uh, Push Back through DMS. It got me 700 views right away. But I have more streams and more views on my song Letter to Myself that I single-handedly grinded and sent my link to a lot of people the same way. It took a little bit longer, but I got the same amount of views. I just put in the work, so now I know how to do it instead of giving my money to somebody else and not learning how to do it myself. Like now, like it's part of the reason why I do promo for free on Montreal Hidden Hits. I'm gonna fuck about your money. Go ahead and keep your money. But more people need to hear that Montreal in particular has a whole side of music. Boom. I hear all of this French music, especially in the rap scene. I don't care what French rapper you can think of right now. There are a couple of OGs in the game that have their authentic styles and don't get me wrong, they're there. I don't really name drop, so that's why I'm not going to list off rappers like that. But a lot of the French scene sounds the same, and it's very influenced by the Parisian culture, like that European scene. Look at the videos, listen to the sound. It's all that drill, run up on you, shoot you, I got your bitch sucking dick. The English side of it is more rooted to what hip-hop and rap is. It's more cultured to what the American style is. There's more diversity in sound quality. There's like 
I started listening to a lot more local music on the English side. There's a lot of influence of Memphis rap and more fucking rappers out here than I can ever imagine. That Yo, West that's Coast that shit. Life. I originally thought it was like very New York influence, but it's not. The younger, nah. the younger people coming up, they're influenced by Soldier Boy. That whole movement in like 2005, 2006, they love that party shit, but they don't love that. Oh, I'm gonna turn up on Zans. Then you got that Memphis shit where a lot of people grew up on like Three Six Mafia, Juicy J, and shit. So you hear a lot of that in their flow. I grew up off a lot of New York, D Block, Jay Z. My one of my favorite rappers is Biggie. That's why. Like, I rapped, and even when I wrote bars, I was like, look at this. If I ever become a rapper, I can compare my shit to Biggie. Like, I came up with shit on my own. I freestyled it in my head. I worked at a grocery store. All that for shits and giggles. I know I'm no fucking Biggie, like, for people that might get confused. Like, I know that, right? But there, there, there's so much that, go, that, that, that goes into it that, that, that people overlook and don't realize. Yo, I love everything you're saying. Yo, Showbiz, you're like fucking... Bro, you're I'm really a real ready. nigga. You can hear it in the music, bro. I'm a real nigga. Um, so, Zab and I saying there's a lot of versatility on the French side. And you, I, and everyone forgets nerd rap. I don't know why nerd rap isn't represented in these conversations. Because, bro, there be a lot of nerd rap in Montreal. It's, it's the sound. If, And it's also not being pushed the same. Oh, like, I can as a, if I was a French artist, I could drop a song tomorrow and get thirty thousand views, easy. Because a lot of promotional outlets will just come to my wall and spread the word. But there's not a lot of people doing that for the English side. There's really not. So Shit. when I reach out, so you're saying, hold on, let me, let me ask. Hold on, let me ask you a question. I want to promo your shit. You know what the number one thing they say? How much do you want? Nothing, homie. <laughs> I just want to showcase your talent. And they love that shit. shit. It's not about, oh, like, oh, I'm trying to connect with uh, with these artists to try to push my music. Nah, they're separated. Oh. I'm the founder of Hidden Hits, but Hidden Hits has nothing to do with show business music. Let me ask you a question. Hidden Hits though, supports this is, the music uh... scene here. I have two playlists right now. Sorry. No, just pushing not... Montreal music. Diverse as fuck. I played a playlist in public settings and people are like, oh, who's this? And I tell them the artist, and they're like, where are they from? Montreal. Oh, my God. I didn't know we were making music like this out here. Yeah. Bro, but all you hear is the French my, stuff. All my life, Down St. Catherine, all you hear is that French music being bumped. No hate, no shade. I'm going to probably make a song with a French rapper or two, for sure. Facts. But it's not being... Yo, it's, I, I have like... I have a, a lot of artists moved to Toronto for that reason. No, but even if like, you just look at like right now in Montreal... I made a playlist that has like 10 hours of English music. Your playlists are long, homie. You got to keep them short no, and it's, sweet. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to play the playlist game. I have different... I, I, don't, I don't have the same goals. Oh, yeah. My goal for this playlist was to be the opposite. It was that I could go hit shuffle at any time on that playlist, have it be absurdly fucking long, and be like, that's Montreal. And I thought that was cool and that nobody else is going to do that because let's be real, it's not a normal playlist, but it's not its point. It's because I had the same experience. People were like, yo, Montreal music's not good. They said, I'm like, bro, I've been to too many live shows. I know the music's good. I've been Montreal rapper right now on the YouTube. Guess what you get? French, 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 French. You type rapper anglais. What are you going to get? French, 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 French. It, it doesn't matter. 
like no but you said something there were really certain artists there. That, 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 sorry, that are to... able to get that algorithmic push but so you're I'm not gonna about... find your favorite english montreal rapper through youtube but hold on you gotta know people that know people we can work on that trust there's there's actually ways to game that believe it or not it's just it takes a lot of us but uh something you said was yeah. really interesting uh the french side has that many versions of montreal hidden hits doing it for free that effectively they're able to get like solid algorithmic pushes based off of the word getting around just because there's so many people doing it for free versus the english side is not having free promotional services available for people like I, I could show you my DMs and I could show you just in the last week, like 30 people have hit me up. Hey, you want some promo? And if you hit them up, like, sure, yeah. Well, here's my packages. $5 for 24 hours story feed, 10 bucks for a wall feed for 20. Like, yo, if you de- and, and they always hit you up on, yo, homie, I, hit, I heard your music. It's dope as fuck. You got potential. Nah, nigga, you did not hear my music. You did not listen to me. You're just looking for a quick cash grab. And a lot of these young artists coming up, they fall for that shit. I've paid for it too. Believe me, I have. But Bro, it's not the hardest facts. <clears throat> you're spitting the biggest facts. Now, again, I want to say that there is a time and a place for paid promo. There really, really is. But my rule of thumb is if you can't afford to sustainably pay that X amount of promo for like a year straight, it won't hurt you. So let's say it's 150 a month you can't do yeah. it for a year straight it's not really worth investing in because yo but also that's the only way you're gonna get their algorithmic pull because i'm sorry just like a lot of people in this city i follow dms but i can't tell you how many times i go on there and never see the same rapper again facts so I, somebody, somebody paid 150 dollars to get on dms and never did it again so only the people that clicked on that story at that particular moment when they posted it or that 24 hours saw your shit. 150 bucks wasted. Like, not necessarily wasted because you will get your streams and you will get your views, but you're only tapping into 500 out of the 14,000 people following DMS. Like... And that's just a number thrown out there. I don't know how many people are actually following DMS nah, at but, this moment. But it's also everything you're saying is facts. Because I think like sometimes like I can come off like a hater, but it's often nobody really wants to talk about it like this. Um, value is all about the nobody ROI. Likes the truth. And the ROI isn't based on visibility. Like, yo, I you said that 10-year number really like early on, and that resonated heavy with me. I tell people all the time, it's a 7 to 10 years minimum. Like... You have to know that going into it. Like, if you. The biggest Montreal rappers, and I'm just keeping it local, have been in the game for seven, eight, nine, ten. I went to high school with some of these rappers that were putting out music in high school. And now they're getting the recognition and acknowledgement that that they should get, but it took them. Dude, it took zero me zero streams, zero views. It Nobody literally knows they took were. me nine years to get to a point where people wanted to talk to me. To be able to get into conversations with certain people, it took me nine years in an interview platform. Like, yo, I hear what you're saying. Because, I mean, to be fair, yo, I'm from Rick the... Rock was in, grinding away for 13 years before we heard Hustler. For for every, real? Like, uh, every I didn't day, know it was that long. Like that long before that one. 
Like, he was in the game for a while, trying to rap and push his music. Yeah, he was a CEO and whatever. I don't give a fuck about that shit. But I saw some shit in, like, 2002. Who's that dude in the background? Rick Ross. Like, he was trying to do it. Look at uh, 2 Chains. A lot of people don't know that he was Titty Boy. Like, in the background of music videos, still trying to push his musical career. You just had to know who he was and go looking for his music. And out here in Montreal, it was hard as fuck. We don't even have those mixtape stores we used to have downtown anymore. Like, I used to be able to go downtown and buy mixtapes. None of those hip-hop stores exist anymore. Like, if it wasn't K103 with Don Smooth or Buddha Blaze, where were y'all getting your hip-hop music from? Because I was going to the mixtape stores. Or somebody that I knew that lived in the States or Toronto was downloading some shit and sending it over. Like, we weren't playing hip-hop on the radio out here. There was nowhere to find it. I mean, Even I'd argue. Hold on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's be real. Right now, nobody believes that. What I tell people it is like, what, several thousand English rappers. Forget French rappers. English rappers. Just people who are putting out music right now, aging from 20, 12 to like 50. And, that, and that's facts because I looked it up and I went on how many artists are registered in Montreal, just rappers. And I saw a list of about six or 700 people. And I didn't know one fucking artist on that list. I trust I'm not even registered. Most of us aren't. Like, neither am I. That's I'm, I'm not saying. registered like that. Like, like <laughs> meticulous gives so me shit all the time all for of that, I'm building towards that though. Like, nah, on the real, because... we should get registered because um, I didn't do it on some lazy shit for a while and then I didn't do it on some COVID shit for a while and it's now in my current checklist because, uh, Yo, there's some real benefits. Like your song could be in a movie, and you're denying yourself that opportunity. Like your one of your right now songs could get movie placement on an accident, just because somebody lands on it and wants it, and we're denying ourselves that opportunity. And that seems to me like a thing that really motivated me to reconsider it. I have to see if things would be not necessarily like business wise because. Like I said, I have to learn all of that and get to that. But like, am I really going to try to copyright and market trash ass music if that's what I'm mm -hmm. making? It's not about the copyright and marketing like, trash ass music, but in that like sense of where you're at. Yeah, I would say we're both at the you're you're 100 percent at the place of a career where any OG is like, bro, go hit up that SoCan today. Every OG I've talked to has said has ever brought up SoCan has said the same fucking thing to me. So I wouldn't be pushing the point because they're not the same thing. You're registering. You're just like saying I'm an artist. I know. And that's not the same thing as like saying, my song can't technically my song can't technically go on the radio right now well, because I'm not registered SoCan. But it's also a different route of it. Somebody might land on you right now and like want to put your shit in a movie i can't stress that enough and it's not like simple for them to do it but when you register you unlock the resources to get that kind of placement and when meticulous and them broke that down to me i was like yo i'm fucking dumb i should have did this shit years ago it's not about the money it's about the organic opportunities the things that can just happen that i deny myself for nine fucking years on some dumb shit like not doing it so that was, was big for me. Okay. Now I'm like not worried about it because I got other things and it's like one of many things I'm juggling. But um, 
I would just say that it is 100% on the list of things to get done for me in the next couple of weeks is to get my SoCam paperwork printed up and shipped off and shit because I put it Yo, off so and, fucking and Speaking long. of that, I know that I have a song where, uh, like, that could be my song Bounce. A lot of people that have heard that are like, yo, that could be in 2K next year, but I'm not registered. So, see what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, it's not like no, I get you it, have I get to it. pursue the opportunity. It's we're denying ourselves the A&Rs and motherfuckers like that looking for it to like just accidentally scoop it in. So that's why I'm saying it's probably, plus if you ever go back to live performances, there's like a X amount that you get paid to perform that you don't get at SoCan. There's like a dollar per minute amount. So I didn't know about that shit either. And I said, oh, what? I say word. I did enough performances that counted back when 15-minute sets were more normal. And I could have actually made something like $300 off of just performing that I would have registered had I known okay, about so, that. So that's so that ties back into people that don't have all of their leash shit and all of that in, in, in order because you can't necessarily cash in on that money if you don't own most of the rights to your music. Like that's a lot of things that are slept Um, because a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I have this YouTube grind with a lot of YouTube beats. But bro, yeah, you can go perform that at Blue Dog, but there's other money that you're missing out on that like, okay. Unpaid performances, perform whatever you want. But if you want to get paid for performances, bro have your shit in order because that shit will come back and circle around and smack you in the hold, face. Hold up. You're saying that if somebody gives you money to perform and you're performing, I never thought about this because I, I do own all of There's my music. There's been a music. lot of releases, which is why I had to go another route because a lot of them are, like a lot of people don't get the right types of leases and it's like, okay, yeah, you can monetize on Spotify, but you can't be, like there's a lot of, people don't read their contracts. Bro, I'm glad like, you're saying this. Oh, you can monetize here, you can't monetize here. You can't get paid for paid performances. You can use it for promo. Like you gotta read the contracts attached to it. You can't just be like, oh, I can use this everywhere. No, you can't. No, you can't. I have some con so like some leases, which is why I went away from them, where I can put them on YouTube and Spotify, but I can't make any music off of Apple Music. Like, what does that mean? So like there's a lot of shit, a lot of nuances that are thrown in contracts. Some producers can tell you, some producers won't. They just hope you don't read the contract. I saw a motherfucking producer, and it's no hate, because there are a lot of good producers out there. I have a good one, where everything was good, everything looked legit. But at the very end of the contract, it was like, but the producer owns 100% of the rights on the writing and recording of this release. Bruh. And I was like, whoa. whoa. Whoa, whoa. Like, wow. I understand the percentage certain times to certain producers, but I'm not paying you 150 bucks or whatever, and then you're circling back on me. And I haven't encountered that problem a lot, but I read the contracts. I have beats that I won't use because I don't really like the contract. Yo, and I paid for it, but I don't fuck with it. Showbiz be dropping huge knowledge nuggets in this one, man. Yo, I didn't know it was like that. I Again, I only leased the one time from the one Jija. I did like, it yo, one time. You, and then you, I never you take a again. random YouTube beat, you put a song together, like one of your music videos right now, like I have to make sure that when I do any set anywhere, I don't perform letter to myself. Because if I ever do make it in this game, it could circle around yes, that I was yes. using and promoting that to make money. 
off of somebody else's name. Dude, that's good to know because I, I lied. I recently put something out for a contest because uh, my buddy pressured me into doing a contest on some homie shit and I had to spend $10 and then it said I could lease the beat. So I said, well, fine. I'll, and then I saw 10,000 spins. So I said, cool. I wasn't really planning on performing it, but I really didn't read past that in the contract because I just wanted to make sure what that number was. And uh, I left it. And now I know that you have the extended, it's like, okay, you can get it. You can do one music video to it. You can get a hundred thousand streams here. Like if you don't buy the full out exclusive full rights to it. Oh, you can only have it on two radio stations. You're very limited to what you can do with the beat. Like right now I can put songs that I haven't put out yet. I can play them on any platform and not get cut off because there's no copyright attachment to it because I own everything. The guy that makes it, makes it from scratch. There's no sample copyright. There's nothing. Yeah, I'm with and you. I'm tired of, like, I got tired for myself of putting out a clip and then it would say, so and so, like, I have songs. My song, Trust You, that's just a music video. There's, like, eight other artists that all have songs to that same beat because I didn't buy the beat. Like, I'm like that too. There's a lot of artists like that. I have songs everywhere, all types of shit. I do music just to do music sometimes, right? I don't, I don't give a fuck if I make money off Trust You, but it's just another thing for people to be able to see my artistry. Oh, he can do this. He's in a video, whatever, right? But if I go on my IG now and I go and I see the clip that I posted of it, it's going to say original music by and gives the other artist shit. That, that's not cool with me. Like, I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to give free promo to somebody else because they ain't giving me free promo. I'm not produ I'm not promoting some dude in Atlanta or fucking Florida with a big post on my shit who's no bigger than I am. Free promo because my clip is hot. And then they see, oh, so-and-so did this song, so they click on that link, and now I just gave you potentially a new fan. Uh, nah. I'm tired of that shit. It, it, it might sound like, oh, this guy's being a little bit obsessive, but you have to be. Yo, you facts. have to care about your shit that much. You want other people to copyright violate your music. You want them to post it and your name pops up on their post, on their tags and shit like that. I, I, I read somewhere like uh, on a producer's page, and I think they're also uh, like a manager. They said... If you as an artist are out there pushing other people's stuff more than your own, you're wasting your time. And I'm not to say that like it's not okay to show to like post a lot of other people's shit in your stories or whatever. Do you? But I'm gonna post my shit the same way ten thousand people are pushing Drake shit or that random ass Instagram page that they follow, like the way they push it and share it and do all of that. I'm gonna do that to my own shit. I'm going to take a post that I posted two weeks ago and put it back in my story so you guys see it again because I go through my story feed and I see like 10 different people sharing the same shit. So why not do it for my own stuff? Like, I promote and I push my shit the way I see other people promote other people's stuff. I want to look on IG one day and see somebody be like, happy birthday showbiz, and I don't even know who the fuck they are because they do that for all their other favorite people. Or, yo, y'all go check out this shit. I don't give a fuck about that, but that's part of it. That's levels to it. You got to work on all aspects of the grind. Like, I make music, yeah? Okay. But I'm putting it out on all platforms. For it to just sit there? 
nah, bro, nah. There's a business and a level to it that I'm trying to learn and get to so that I can get it to as many audiences as possible because I spit real shit. I spit real shit. Like, I got to give it to you, showbiz. A lot of people do the I spit real shit thing, but then don't differentiate their grind in meaningful ways in the modern era that has plausibility and actually instills in a person a sense of faith that they can actually achieve their goals. So congrats, showbiz. That's a big flex. Yo, it's, it's possible. I've, I've had conversations with people. Yo, pay for Spotify streams. Nah, it's the age of the independent artist. It's not like it was 15, 20 years ago. It's completely different now. It's 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 so different that some of the biggest artists are deciding to go independent because there's more money in it for for them. Own your shit. Own your masters. Be there when they record your shit. Don't be sending it to everybody before it's released. That's some stupid shit. Somebody will leak your shit. Somebody will put it out there. Somebody might bite your bars. They will do something that you're not ready to do with your music. I I have songs that people a year ago were like, put this out. Nah, this song's too good. If I'm going to put this out, I need a level of ears because I'll bump it all day myself because that's how good this like these songs are. And I don't really care. But if I'm going to put it out to everybody, then people need to hear it because the level of depth in my bars, even, even the voice and the persona that I worked at when I rap, because it's not the same as I talk. When I rap, it's different. Like, I get into a zone, voice changes, it gets deeper, it gets more heartfelt. Like, there, there are certain projects that I have that I won't release because I don't need them getting overlooked. Like, my song, We The Best. That song, to me, it's not the greatest sounding-wise because I didn't record it in a studio or anything. But I think that project is dope as fuck. And if I had an audience, that song would have went over a little bit better, right? Because... I have to think about shit like that, even as a budding artist who's just starting out. Like, I gotta live like I've been there before. I gotta live like, okay, I just put out a banger. Whether you believe it or not, that's what I believe. I put out a dope ass fucking song and now I gotta push it. Now I gotta grind it out. Like, it's, I make dope music. It sounds cocky as fuck, but people who haven't heard my music Go listen to my music. Come back. Give me whatever criticism listen, you want. I can, I can promise you one thing. Anybody in the future that is watching this video, right, that got this far into it has heard your music. I pinky swear I promise if they had it at the started, they paused by now and they bumped your shit. Been here long enough to know a little bit about how the people's behave. Nah, but um, for real, Showbiz, you got like this I, whole... I, I, I believe... In my shit like I, I have a verse where it's like started living like i had it to get used to it like that's that's my mindset mm. like i don't have a lot of these big fancy <laughs> things but i have to adjust to that mindset Yo, what if i did have powerful. a right here? what if i did have a good card i can't get beyond myself and be like what's like you have to have those dreams and being like okay one day i could see myself doing this facts and like, it's like, how could you even know what behaviors you need to learn if you can't even conceive it? Like, yo, you may not notice, but when you smoke in a joint at a rich person's house next to their pool, it's not the same conversation as when you're smoking a joint 
uh, in the hood, pulling on the couch, or even at your boy's house playing video games or wherever. Yep. Yo, like, you gotta be dropping some marketing talk and business talk around these people. You need to give them something that they right. walk away from that conversation I just with. That because I was never the type of person that was like, yo, I make music. But I got myself around a new group of people, and I told like one person I made music, and they were like, really? Show me something. And I was like, oh my God. Now I know why everybody's like, yo, I'm an artist, I make music. Because you have to always constantly market yourself and be ready for whatever. Yeah. Because you never know that random gonna... person that you just told I make music could be the person that knocks on your door tomorrow and been like, yo, I heard your shit yesterday. You remember me? You just never know. And that's not something I learned from music. That's something I learned from being younger and having a situation at a bank where I cussed out somebody and I went to another bank across town the next day and the guy looked at me and he was like, I was at the bank you were at yesterday. You gotta, you gotta take into account who's around because you never know. Big facts. Yo, and I was like, oh, like shit. <laughs> but like, that's like, the thing, I, I've had experiences, I've lived shit. So it's like, but when you say you have experiences, not everybody's then turning them into like actionable items. Yo, this interview is lit. I'm sitting here going, I don't know where to go. At first, I was like, I don't know where Showbiz is taking this. He's like, fuck that. We ain't talking about my past. I'm like, fair enough. I hope Showbiz can hold down the future talk. And then Showbiz managed to come through here and give a lot of people a template into a lot of things that are important. Now, the only thing I would say... Artist. I, I sit here. What are we gonna do? And, no, but I, 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 let me we ask sit you here this, and we study this shit, bro. Let me ask you a question, like, though. I know that you come in it. You just proved that you study this shit real in depth. But let's talk about real life again. Real life's yeah. about to open up. What What do you think the move is to migrate into the real life world again? Like, how would you approach marketing yourself in person? I got to start doing it to figure that out because I'm going to fail the first couple of times. That is a beautiful Because I don't know answer. how to do it. Okay. I don't have a team around me and I haven't been around people that have done it before to be like, okay, this is what I'll do. This is what I won't do. Um, like, I'm going to just go about it and try to figure it out. I'm going to try to be out there. The whoever's posting gigs, I'm going to try to get myself on the card, whatever. I got to perform for free in a random ass part. Like, I did my first official show at Blue Dog but my first like time where I got up on a stage was like 10 years ago where somebody was like, we're doing a talent show for Victoria Hall. Write something that's along the theme. So I did, and I got up on stage and I performed it. So like, I'll perform anywhere just to push this music because this music is good. And I got shit that'll make you sit down and think and be like, holy fuck, I never thought of that. And I got shit that'll just make you move. Like I got so much unreleased shit that's about to come and hit wherever the fuck you listen to music. You are going to like my shit. You are going to fuck with my shit. And I'm just going to say this. Not all of those people, because I know there's levels to this shit, but the people on my level that I reach out to for a feature now and turn it down, you are turning down a good track. Not necessarily a better opportunity to market yourself, but you are turning down a good opportunity to make good music. So that's all I'll say, because I, I take my time with this shit. I don't go into the booth and write a verse in 15 minutes. Sometimes I will take fucking weeks to write a verse to make sure it hits the right way. Like I'm about this, this, this grind and this writing shit. Like it took me a long time to become an artist, but you, you give me a song about 
any of your experiences and I can write a verse that will relate to it and that it will hit. Like it it's it's gonna sound a little bit ahead of its time, but listen to my music, it hits. You will enjoy it. There's different styles, there's different there's different angles. I'm growing a lot. It's not all about gang gang in the hood shit. Yeah, we, we got we, we show this. We got it. We got it. You you have made the point that your music is effectively worth checking out at this point. I'm like, all right, we're going down the speech. We've got the speech at this point. I, I, I promise. Okay, enough about that. And uh, My all, bad. all your stuff is on the link below. I think I forgot to link it in the fucking uh, thing like a fool. So I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, but like I said, got to promote yourself right all the time. Now. Wow, I forgot. So everyone watching will know that it's linked in the description. I'm putting your Insta in there now where you got the link to your Spotify and they can all see that right away. Um, but yeah, I, I really like your mind. I think um, I was talking to this guy um, and he said that one of the problems with Montreal is a, and, and Quebec in general is a self-esteem issue. And that resonated with me because it's not, he felt that not a lot of people really really about that about that enough to believe in himself that much to approach it that all in to actually go for it all the right ways that you need to go for it to achieve the bigger and greater goals i switched jobs to focus more on my artistry to give me more available days to work on music bro like i feel that you are an example of an artist from montreal that's about it about it that I plan on bringing back to him in the next conversation. There are some artists out here that are about it a lot more than me. They, they're they heavy in it. They're in the studio right now while I'm doing this interview working on their grind and craft. Well, I'm to, just trying to... To, to, be, to be fair, a lot more people need to do a lot more interview grinds just to, like, humanize themselves, just to let people see how they think a bit. So an interview like this on a marketing tip, it's a bunch of people go okay how the hell did they hold down first of all it's gonna be like a three-hour interview how the hell Look did they hold that down i got another one i got another one hooked up out in the uk because it can't always and that's this upcoming week it can't always just be about local artists don't forget that push your mm. shit as far as you can push it huge facts but i guess what i'm saying is as much as your music's there when people want to know why they should listen to you that's where the interviews and shit come in and this additional periphery media gets created about you. So yeah, reviews are cool, but like, let's be real. Uh, nope, not everyone's gonna watch the three-hour interview, but we are gonna make a bunch of clips. You know, seven to fifteen-minute clips of the interview, chunks of it. Well, yo, and that type I can of give you that generic answer why I started like about my life. Like, I was one of those kids that was in a heavy situation. I mean, we went through. All I will say is like. My parents were definitely affected a lot by the 80s and a lot of the shit that went on that could affect you in the worst types of ways. So I've been around a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of shit. I've grown up in the system. But the thing is, is you already you already answered that question. That's the thing is this whole interview. You were able to answer all of these questions and humanize yourself already is, is that's how I use it. It's it goes from being just like this artist to it's like these interviews are meant to be more like the person behind the artist a bit and how they think and who they are and why they do this shit. So like you didn't need to get that answer. It's cool for anyone here. But like you were already get, that was the first part and you really did say all of that shit. And so anybody, I hear you, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm just like trying to express it like to make the bigger point that artists in my opinion, spend 100% of their time on their craft, but don't do enough of 
this kind of shit. And the thing is, is I know that there's actually quite a few English Montreal media sources that the Montreal artists can don't I, actually look into. Can I just say one thing about that? It's hard to find them mm. because there's people doing the interviews and there's people pushing the music, but how do you find those people? Because it's oh, so I disconnected. Know, <laughs> it's so disconnected that it's like, I can't reach out. Like, I swear to God, I feel like if, a couple of people that I work with hadn't done interviews with you already. I might not have gotten an interview with you, but I saw you were doing interviews. So I reached out to you and you got back to me. Yeah. Like there's not enough of that. Like you can reach out to a person and there's a lot, there's a lot of distance and it's not because, Oh, like, I don't think I don't consider you any good. It's just, there's so many people spamming DMS there. There, there, there has to be a level of way for the artist to connect. And it's like, I understand there's levels to this. There's certain artists. Yo, that actually touches back on what the same man was saying. Where the managers at in this game? Where the like, managers at? There, are, there are a couple. I've that, spoken with some through through, uh, no, through hit and hit. What I, what I mean is that there's only a couple. Like, exactly. You we need know, like more people to like wake that. up and be like, I want to manage rap artists in Montreal. I mean, it yes, sounds. But then, you, but then you wake up. And then you got to connect with the people that push it. And how do you connect with them if you can't find them? But that's the manager's like, job. The manager's stage. job is to find them. That's not necessarily everyone's job. That was the big epiphany I had. It's like lately I felt a lot of frustration in this. There's a lot of things I want to do. But at the end of the day, there's only so many hours in the day. And it's like I have like there's a lot of things that like I wish I could have done website wise this thing looking into people like i've been so lucky that interviews keep falling into my lap dude for like how hard it is to actually go out there and fish i don't know how many people have seen it but the one you did with don smooth was dope as fuck it was that really gave a lot of insight to the montreal scene how it's been how it's going he's always been on his shit about his shit when it comes to the music in montreal and pushing it he's pushed local music Don Smooth has been about it. And there's others too. Don't get me no, wrong. No, I, a lot of people He's have one said that resonates a lot with you know me what? growing up. It's almost now. like either nobody, nobody wants to watch it or people just don't care after the fact. Or it's like more people are happy that it exists than have any real desire to consume it. Like, I think the thing that's baffled me the most in this process is how, and, and this is actually a shout out to Shvelli. And a few others, Kishveli is one of the exceptions to this rule, is that people don't really, and I'm excluding the live crowd and whatever. So obviously there's people who do, but most people don't watch each other's shit. Like they'll watch like their immediate squads interviews, but it's like nobody's clicking on like a random interview I've done with an, uh, with a Montreal artist that they've never heard of and like really like even leaving a comment or anything. You know, and it's like, yo, I'm not saying it for the sake of my content because literally I have such cool opportunities brewing off of this shit. It's not really a, like it's part of it, but, 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 there's, but there's such a disconnection between the artist, like especially Anglophone artists, because I've seen some French interviews that get streams and people go back and they watch them. There's such a disconnect that like, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of the people you've interviewed, I don't know who they are. Like, and that's no disrespect to them, but it's like through hidden hits, I've realized 
that if I didn't create that platform and I didn't have people sending me in their material and literally going on the hunt, trying to find these artists, they don't just pop up in your feed. You're more likely to get Drake, Justin Bieber, and a lot of these big times as suggested for you than the rapper or the singer or whatever you are down the street. You've got to go grinding and looking for them. So I suppose my question then is if everyone knows this and we create these platforms, and it's not just me. I also look at 504 Online Mixes views and I'm like, yo, I try to watch their ones. I'm really bad at it, but I try to like make sure to watch like one or two like a month just to like learn somebody like and I'm glad I did. I watched this Lucky Lex guy and now he's booked up my shit and he did one of my contest entries and shit. And it was really cool. And I was glad I had watched that interview because he's so interesting. And now I can't even wait. I'm excited now to like go talk to this dude. And I didn't even know he fucking existed if not for her interview. And I'm like, well. This is the foundation of what's coming in the future. 514 online makes DMS, you hosting interviews, other people trying to like host interviews. The hope is that we can push this. And a lot of people now are starting to come together and realizing that as a unit, we can push this shit a lot more than, oh, me showbiz, I'm just pushing showbiz. Nah, I will push any artist. You send me something to my DM on IG, I'll repost that if you actually send it to me and ask me to repost nicely and not just, yo, dog, repost my shit just cause. Like, there's ways to it. You gotta, you, you gotta... You got to hit it up right. Like, hey, what's up? How are you? They're like, conversation skills, people. <laughs> Actually, I want to just touch on that. Uh, at first, I was really frustrated by the lack of conversation skills. And so I made some Facebook posts. And people don't know that when I make Facebook posts and I have those little arguments, I really think about the people criticizing me in those moments. I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. So sometimes I write shit extra strong just so I can get yeah. some inflamed motherfucker telling me how I'm not being empathetic or holding, I know the blah, 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 but you fucking don't get it and explain some shit. And then I'm like, that's interesting. And there really is no training on this, how to do the DM thing really well. So when in 2012, I spamming DMs, I really did. And it was really effective at first until motherfucker stopped answering me. And then I learned that some people would be <laughs> like, bro, if you at least said hi how are you and faked it a little bit i would probably be more yeah. likely to like click on your shit so now i know that unless we boys and like i know you like know you know you or like it's like something's happening recent where i can be excited and send you some shit without context like some sneak shit i'm gonna probably be like hey how are you and even then like i barely yeah. do that shit no more why i don't know it's you know why because i feel like it would be pretty arrogant of me making my music essential focus of my career right now given this interview thing that's that's the honest truth of it i'm not really i'm gonna make my music i'm gonna do my music i'm gonna perform i'm gonna push this cypher thing i'm gonna do all this shit my musical push will come after i get that because as an artist there's a lot of focus and a lot of time that i put into being an, an artist but I, I have so much material that I swear to God, I don't have to write and I could put out songs. But I was able to take some time off and that's where Hidden Hits was really able to, to get its start. Because like, even right now, I'm banging out 10 projects just so like, 
I could slow my roll down and I could push my music and not have to worry about all angles of it at the same time. Mm. Because yeah, there's the making the music of it. Um, then there's the learning how to the, the production of the music, because I would love to learn that and every artist should know that. Then there's the pushing of the music. I can't be in the studio making music and promoing it at the same time. I can't. I'm only one person. So there's there's literally right now where I have to take like a week off of like, okay, I'm not making music this week because I'm pushing my music. Like I have to 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 find a fine balance between the two. So yeah, when you're like, okay, yeah, I can't, like I can't push my interviews and my artistry the same way, I totally get it. Like but it's I totally, more like, yo, if I'm going to do, like, six live streams related to this for the city grind, like, how am I then going to also have that attention space? I mean, like, if I'm going to, like, spam, let's say, I can't spam everything. Something has to be the main thing that I push. So, it's the interviews. Because, yeah. let's be real, it's the coolest shit I have going on right now. Oh, Crossroad is fucking cool, too. But the interviews is probably cooler for now. And then Crossroad Bins makes really cool. And other people, but like, I look at it like these things have made holding the person way more interesting than being a rapper. And I like that. I like the impact and the placement in the industry that it puts me in this position, having things to offer or to be actively contributing. Were you doing the same thing with Montreal Hidden Hits? Yo, are you still there? Can yeah, you... yeah, yeah, my bad. No worries. I was like, fair enough. I was like, did he leave? Did I say something terrible? No, no, no. <laughs> um, but then it's like, so I see you doing I'm this. Not to wrap it up soon. I'm not in a position to grab my charger and I got 14% left. So No worries, man. We're going to wrap it up soon. I lasted this long. I'm not. You're an interesting guy with a lot to say, and that's what we're trying to do here. A lot of other, you know, I have to ask you one question before you leave just because my fucking Patreon and Lindell is into that shit. But uh, a lot of... A lot of other interviews, I don't know, they'll ask a lot of the interviewee things. I want to be the guy that's, like, trying to fill your wiki page or, like, trying to see how you think or trying to get the showbiz master class. And, like, like that's what we're trying to do here. It's about knowledge nuggets, man. We, like, basically, yo, I want this to double over as a platform where artists, because let's be real, artists are probably my main audience for the longest time, where artists can learn marketing from people that are in this game because we always talk about marketing and we always are willing to teach like i hooked up with a sound engineer recently that was like yo i'm willing to teach you whatever you need to know after having reached out to tons of sound engineers that are like nah bro i can't teach you the sauce the yeah, sauce yeah. is time and effort and grind that's yo, what the sauce yo, is yo, what's crazy you is I, I, I talk to people and i'm like bro go make your beats on twitch can't show off the sauce I'm like, but, but, but but you'll get paid by the fans and then you'll get paid when you sell the beat but the sauce yeah it's like bro like come on like any engineer that's worth their shit can hear anything you've done and reverse engineer what you've fucking done yep i know because my producer does that shit <laughs> so it's like i mean send him a beat today get it tomorrow and it's my own beat <laughs> but like all i'm saying is um I do have that last question I want to ask before I forget. Who are musically yeah. your top three biggest influences? Oh, that shit's easy. They're all rappers. They're all rappers, bro. Cassidy, Styles P, and D Block. Like, I'll just put them under one category. And B 
Biggie and Tupac. The reason why Biggie and Tupac, I know it's like, oh, you know, that's a generic answer. Nah, I wanted to be able to rhyme like Biggie, but be educated in what I was saying like Tupac. I hear you. Like, not necessarily that Biggie wasn't educated in what he was saying, but there was a significant difference. Tupac was an activist. He spoke real shit in his music. Biggie did too, but it was different. The delivery was different. The lingo was different. And I'm not talking about all of Tupac's like hit him up gang gang shit because there's more to Tupac than just that. There's that more in-depth music. There's the, yeah, so. And Biggie, Biggie was just one of the realest artists ever. But it's it's a lot of New York influence. It's a lot of rappers and a lot of hood rappers that have bars. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care. You can put on an, an unknown, no-name rapper right now, and I will give him credit if he has bars. And I don't have to like his delivery or his flow, but if he has bars, he's spitting real shit, and I can relate to that, I will give that man full credit. Like, I don't give mm. a fuck. Like, it's not about where you're from. It's not about how you deliver it. It's like, yo, bro, it's like, is it real shit? Can, can people relate to it? Like, it's, it's, it's not just a bunch of bullshit. Like, yo, I was at the club with a bitch. Then I took off in my whip. Now I'm out here getting lit. Like, I I don't listen to a lot of music like that. Go ahead, go make your money, go do your grind. But there's, you. there's real music out there. And not the commons of the world where it's that conscious rap. Somebody who I can relate to. Dude's wearing a fitted, a big-ass chain. And he's talking about real everyday shit, the struggle, the welfare grind, people overseas being bombed, terrorist shit, whatever the fuck it is. They're, they're doing it. Like, yeah, I, I appreciate you. But Immortal Technique <laughs> was one of those people that if you wanted to listen to real shit and real storytelling, you would listen to them and get your real dose of... That was a heavy hitter. Like, wow. It's that's just the type of music I listen to still to this day. Yeah, there's that party shit, there's that lighter shit that I do listen to from time to time, but I listen to to, to that real shit, that struggle music, that that grind music. It's it's different. Everybody's got their particular taste in music. And yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you, Showbiz. That was a good answer. So yeah, I know we have time constraints, battery constraints, etc. I held out a real long time, so big ups to your phone. Big ups to having a fully charged phone with a limited thing. I say that with pointed I'm reasons. Sure. It is what it is. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate all of you out there watching this in the lives, people watching this in the futures. Shout out Lindell on YouTube. Shout out everybody. Uh, if you're watching in the future, links in the description, like, follow, subscribe, all that crap. Special thanks to the page chains is Milk and MC, Chris Prada, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Respect Hurricane. Respect to all those MC people Scribble. that tuned in too. Mm. My bad for cutting you off. No worries. But yeah, respect. Respect. All of them, for real. But yeah, and if you do want to support us, patreon.com slash behind that suit. On that note, we finna raid DJ Blaster because we're going to keep it in DG today. And uh, yo, live DJ long Blaster. and prosper, everyone. Appreciate you again, showbiz. Yo, no doubt. If you ever want to do this again, let's do it, bro. We will, for sure. Yo, shout out Zamanel, too.